When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gonna start the show again being salty about uh, ESPN's choice of, or that's TNT's choice of national broadcasting. <laughs> so dumb. Dude. All right. Well, we are back on another Wisco Phonetics Wednesday. I'm um, gonna be a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. So the NFL's um, new league year started an hour ago, so we are officially in the 2022 NFL season, even though we have been for a month and a half now. But um, Jake and I are going to start the show after thanking Parker Johns for sponsoring us, which we want to do. Um, We're going to start the show talking about the NFL salary cap. So I'm going to let Jake talk for a second, and then we are going to start. Okay, so obviously everybody knows uh, that the Packers are in a very interesting situation. And I say interesting because you got... Fans divided in a lot of ways. Um, we're paying. We got to pay a quarterback who's won back-to-back MVPs. Yes, the team has lost in the playoffs, and yes, this last playoff loss was partially on Aaron Rodgers, but it's still a team game at the end of the day. Um, we have to pay the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, we already paid the best left tackle in the league. He hasn't played for really over a year. He played a couple snaps versus the Lions, but does that really count? And then. You know, we have to pay, you know, an up-and-coming top five, in our opinion, the best corner in the league. So, I mean, we got – and then after that, you got a lot of number of impact players. So, when you really get into it and you break it down, uh, Tyler and I really started talking about this really early this morning about the increase in the salary cap. And there's a lot of different articles and there's a lot of speculations and none of this is concrete. But – when we broke it down, I went on a website called overthecap.com. It's actually a lot of fun. If you want to just mess around on there, you can restructure contracts, you could trade guys, you can, you know, you can convert their their salary to signing bonus. It's a really, really fun time. I'm by no means a cap expert or an accounting major. I did not go to college <clears> for that. So with that being said, we started at negative seven million, right? What'd you want to say, buddy? I was gonna tell you I was just gonna say you mentioned the over the cap. Um, the guy that created that site, his name is Jason Fitzgerald. He is a very big part of the source of my research that I did for this. Um, 
He's a very trusted source. He's been featured in Sports Illustrated, on ESPN, NFL Network, Sporting News. So it's not it's not like we're just making stuff up or or basing our stuff off an article by somebody who's made stuff up. Like this guy is if you go to his his page, he's got it on there that he's been studying the NFL salary cap for over 15 years. Mm-hmm. This guy is the founder of Over the Cap, which is usually a a, a very trusted site of insiders and um, reporters and things like that. So the, the source that we have this from mm-hmm. is, I would say, a very, very reliable one. Hey, buddy. <laughs> um, so when we broke it down, uh, again, these are just projections. Uh, next year, the salary cap goes to $225 million, And by 2024, the salary cap is going to be $250 million plus. It says 256 So... When I went on there, the Packers. I have I have numbers million. to back up for that too. So yes. when yeah, I'll get into that. Um, so right now the Packers, you know, when I looked at it, when I started my process, were negative seven million. So to get that down and find a way to keep everybody happy, like I said, I'm not an expert, but this is just what I did. Um, I moved Cobb from his cap hit from six point seven to three point five million. That's already you know three millions in savings. With Devontae, I gave him his twenty million this year. And I extended Devontae, and then I gave him $40 million next year and 35 the year after that. Now, that sounds insane, and it is. But when you're the best, you deserve to be paid like the best. Now, we it's already gonna mentioned, be okay. <laughs> we mentioned the okay. increase in the salary cap already, so it's, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be the same percentage, you know, as you move on with things. That gives him his $30 million average that he's looking for, and he deserves, especially after the Jaguars decided to mess up the entire – Market that's, for wide receivers. That's part of it. The Jaguars and the Vikings, they jumped the gun on this. They are yeah. paying 2023 money now. They jumped the gun on the overload on the salary. Yep. Um, it's they, they they jumped the gun. They're a year early on that salary increase. So that's why that's why Christian Kirk got that deal. He got a 2023 wide receiver deal. That deal right. should have been done a year later, but he's a right. free agent now. So So <clears throat> then the last thing I did is I dropped Jair Alexander's contract from $13 million this year to 10.5 because I had to get positive. And I then gave him 13 next year. And the year after that, I gave him 27 and, or 24 and then 27. So that gave him a $19.5 million average, which when you look at the top cornerbacks, that's right in the range of the top three. So I wanted him to be paid as a top three because he's a top three, no matter what way you look at it. If you're not a Packer fan, you look at Jair, you're like, that guy's a lock, you know. Um, I wanted to put him up there with Jalen Ramsey because I honestly think that he's better than Jalen Ramsey. I mean, look at Jalen in the Super Bowl. He was getting cooked by a rookie. If if the Bengals would have had any offensive line, he would have gave up the game-winning touchdown. Yep. Um, also, Jalen was just celebrating because now he didn't give up Tom Brady's last touchdown, which I kind of hope happens again and the Rams lose. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. So at the end of the day, I went from negative $7 million to plus three point nine million, that'll give the the Packers just a little bit of room to maybe bring a guy back or sign a free agent. So we'll see what happens. But that's that's the way that I did it. I would encourage you guys to go out and do it, and maybe you could show me the way that, that the right way to do it. So this is Jake's part of this is speculation. I'm gonna switch over to kind of the explanation part of it as far as 2022 and beyond are concerned. And where it, where we came from to get to this point, COVID threw kind of a wrench in it, but it's going to kind of even out. So mm-hmm. 
the article that I'm referencing was written about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, from Kevin Clark at The Ringer. Uh, he was formerly from um, writing for the NFL for the Wall Street Journal. So again, this is a, a pretty big journalist that writes for a pretty big newspaper. So I'm, I'm comfortable trusting this source. And he references Jason Fitzgerald's article that was written just a couple days before. And then I have another Jason Fitzgerald article that he wrote just in December. So it's only a couple months old. So I'm, this is basically about as relevant or as, um, as recent information as there is moving forward on the salary cap. So Going back to 2006 to 2020, the NFL salary cap has gone from 102 million to 198 million. It's a huge, almost double. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen again in the next 14 years, but stick with me. So it's now 208 million in 2022 um, with the new TV deals that are coming with Amazon having Thursday night football. And in 2023, the new NFL Sunday ticket um, TV deal also starts. Those two deals alone are worth over $113 billion, with a B, billion dollars over the next 11 years. (laughs) So, in the next 11 years, uh, over $113 billion dollars. Going into the NFL, obviously, there's a lot more that it gets broken down into before it reaches the salary cap. But Man. with COVID throwing the wrench in there, um, this is I'm referencing a J.C. Treader tweet, who is the chairman for the NFL Players Association. He represents the players in the NFL Players Association. So again, this is another trusted source said from the 2020 COVID um, revenue loss, which what they estimated around four billion dollars. They agreed. The, the Players Association and the NFL agreed to spread that revenue loss across three seasons, which was 2020, 2021, and 2022. So those revenue losses were spread across those three seasons instead of every player taking a 35% pay cut. So those were the two options that were presented. They went for the revenue loss to mm-hmm. spread it across the three seasons. Mm-hmm. So had the growth continued the way that it was, this year's salary cap would have been about $217 million, and it had been growing by about 10 or 11 That's where Jake mentioned the 225 for next season. A lot of people are really thinking that it could be between 225 to 228 even as high as 230 for next year's salary cap. So next mm-hmm. year's salary cap could be up to $22 million <laughs> higher than it was this season. Simon said we switch sides. Watch, I'll do it again. <laughs> um, anyways, <clears throat> the he used actually it was cool that Jason Fitzgerald used the Packers as his example for this. Um, um, showed from the the newest TV deal, which went into effect in 2015. Up until now, uh, revenue grew from 187 million. This is the Packers' revenue mm-hmm. to. 296 million jesus christ that's just the packers revenue itself <laughs> so he he took <laughs> it gets Ooh. dude it gets freaking crazy so Think he about applied, these numbers man dude, dude it gets crazy it gets crazy just just listen just listen <laughs> Look at <Isaac's> coming. <laughs> you have to go to an amazon uh 
Amazon will be pumping out TVs soon, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Just wait until I get to 2026. Okay. So that was about a 7% growth and then 12% in the, it was 11.4%. He rounded it up to 12% in the year that the new TV deal kicked in. So okay. he applied that same growth rate to the next six years as, as opposed to the last six years. Oh, so <laughs> in 2022, the math comes out to $338 million. This is revenue for the Packers. This isn't the salary cap. This is the revenue. 2023 would be $379 million. 2024, $406 million. 2025, $434 million. And 2026, $465 million in revenue. That is insane. That is insane. (laughs) Holy crap. So within, let's see, from 2014 to 2026, 12 years, the Packers' general revenue almost doubled. 465 mils, dog. Jesus Christ. That's just the Packers. I know. That's That's, insane. There's 32 teams in the NFL. All right, let's see this. Now. And that's and that's before you even get to to TV revenue. That's just the team. So, <laughs> okay, those, what know, is that those... number? What is that number? Because that's that's four sixty five million times thirty two. I don't even know what that means. That's a lot. <laughs> so obviously those aren't the cap numbers, but that's just revenue, which obviously trickles down to obviously you got to pay your, your personnel and your staff and your, mm-hmm. you know, your, your workers and stuff. But now listen for those mad about the Packers playing in London this year, for those mad about the NFL switching to 17 games. I don't think the fans were as mad as the players were about that, but mm-hmm. those things and the international games is a big, big part of it. The Packers are going to go play in an international game this year to help grow the league. That helps the team. Yeah, it sucks that we lose a home game, even though we play the same because we get the extra one this year. But growing those games, (laughs) growing this game the whole way is how you grow this league. That's how you improve the salary cap. That's what gets people to watch. And watching, watching football games, that's what happens. I believe the last one that I saw from 2021 was that of the top 50 most watched events on television, 44 of the 50 were NFL games. Yep. And the top 16, the top, all of the top 16 television broadcasts were all NFL games. So what that says is, you know, obviously, you know, you're at the NFL. That's the highest level to play at. You are, you are watching not just the best NFL football players, you are watching the the most played, you know, the most paid entertainers in America. Mm-hmm. These, you know, it goes beyond football. This is in an entertainment industry. That's where this pain, you know, that's where all these guys are getting paid from. Um, so you know, if you if you're mad that, um, you know, a player is getting paid. Like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is set to make almost $60 million next year. 
it's because people continue watching the NFL. Mm-hmm. Christian Kirk and Kirk Cousins kind of got the gun jumped a little bit by the Jaguars and the Vikings on what the, the salary cap is going to jump up next year when the new TV deal starts. Um, but again, with COVID hitting, the 2022 cap hit would have been uh, – the 2022 salary cap would have been between 218 and $221 million based on the math of what of just what the growth was. Um, so, you know, the, the 228 to 230 <laughs> mark that we're proposing for, for next year's salary cap is within that normal 10 to $11 million in growth. Yep. So that's a pretty normal growth for next year and it's yep. going to get higher in 2024. Um, it's, it's going to be above 225 million. So the cap, the salary cap is going to make another massive jump next year, and it's just going to keep going up. Um, the estimate, the estimate, is that by 2027, the NFL salary cap will reach 300 million dollars. I can see that. Well, yeah, man, I forgot his name. What's that? What's that? Falcons wide receiver that just got in trouble? Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he jumped the gun. So the thing that I'm thinking is, you know, think of all the people that are playing, you know, fantasy football and making money that way for those businesses, you know, and all the people in Vegas putting money down. Like I've been there. I've done that. Obviously, everybody's almost done that. But, you know, that's just stuff that the NFL takes in consideration when they're making these TV deals. And I'm telling you, man, I, you know, I was just, you know, in a debate with my girlfriend this morning and she's like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers should get paid that much money. I'm like, well, as long as me and 30 million other people come home from work on Sunday and they sit their ass down on their couch and the first thing they do is they turn on NFL football, Rogers is going to make $60 million. I'm sorry. It is what it is. And you know what? <laughs> in in three years from now, when, say, say a Josh Allen is making $45 million, that's going to look like a bargain. Yeah. When, you know, that's when we get to, stupid. That's so I stupid. I know. I know. That's so stupid. I know. So it's – it's oh not God. it's not just growing, it's booming. The NFL is not going anywhere as far as popularity is concerned. And actually it's gonna continue growing. They're playing games in Germany this year. They're um they're playing games in Mexico City. They're playing obviously more games in London. The Packers are the last team to play an international football game. They're playing in London this year. Yeah, um, we're best. That's why. That's why. Um so if if what we said still has put you at ease as far as your team's salary cap is concerned, whether it be the Packers or you know like like um, James who pays attention to our show all the time, um, he's a Saints fan. And if you think the Packers are in rough salary cap situation, the Saints are in worse salary cap situation. Yeah, they are. And this is going to go out to the Aaron Rodgers haters that wanted to move on and. You know, make a change at quarterback. I saw somebody this morning try to compare <sighs> the the Rams going from Goff to Stafford as the Packers going from Rodgers to Love as if it was the same thing, and it's not. Um, right now, the Saints are already over the – actually, they're like right at the 2023 salary cap number with only 30 players under contract. Bro, and it's supposed to go up like twenty million, and they're and they still don't, over. And they don't have a franchise quarterback right now. Yeah, think about that. That's 
they yeah. they have to they have to field like forty more or thirty more players. And they have a running back that just is too busy punching people in the face. And I mean, well, they they've spent on their defense, and it shows because their defense is really good. But yeah. they got some stuff to figure out. They might be trading Michael Thomas next year. Man, if they if they have another losing season, some of those defensive players, you know, as they get older and older and older, might ask to get moved. Yeah, they could send Cam Jordan up to Green Bay. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Isaac said he's going to buy Russ Ball some Culver's, but <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so yes. Anyways, the big takeaway here <laughs> is the Packers. They're under the salary cap. Um, yep. There weren't any moves today, which was kind of a bummer. I was kind of hoping to see something else happen. But um, yeah. the Lazard and Devondre Campbell deals are not yet official as far as the league is concerned. So those two, um, that's about its about like $9 million or something like that, whatever the – I think Devondre is getting four or getting $5 million in his first year, and Lazard is tendered for four. So um, they are under the salary cap without making any more moves. Um, and again, $113 billion in new TV deals in the next 11 years. The NFL salary cap's not going anywhere, but way, way up. Man, by that time, me and you will be sitting in the press box. Hey. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything I want to, want to re, want to re-put out there. Yeah, 2023 cap. Between twenty five and between two twenty five and two thirty, hundred and thirteen billion in T V deals in the next eleven years could reach three hundred billion by twenty twenty seven. Isaac's jumping a little bit ahead in mine. Rasul's coming back, man. I got a feeling. I got a feeling I have a report. Not not that he's back yet, but um as far as as far as Rasul Douglas is concerned, um Packers and Rasul Douglas, despite him having more offers, are still working on a deal. It was reported by Diana Rossini from ESPN that they are working on a deal. Let's get it done, so, man. Let's yeah. get it done. Get it done. He's got to have another pick six against Justin Fields next year. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, uh, I'm sure Justin Fields will throw a few next year. Uh, yeah, except, <laughs> except, except this one he'll be targeting MVS. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh man, that's awesome! You're gonna buy Isaac him Culver's too. Culver too? I'll buy any. I'll buy any Packers player Culver's. Isaac, come on the we show. entertain you once a week outside of the group chat. Buy me Culver's. I'm hungry <laughs> and poor. Okay, I got. I love kids. Culver's. Yeah, Culver's is amazing. Shit, I might have that for dinner. It's <laughs> good shit. <laughs> All right. So now that we explained, yeah, now that we've explained the salary cap the best we can. If you have any questions at all, let us know. We will do the research. We will find it out. Like, just for the stuff that we just talked about in the first 20 minutes, I have an entire page of notes. So, like, we will do the research on this. Um, if you have any questions, let's let us know. We will we will look it up, find out the answers, and talk about. Um, I kind of like the homework on this stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, that's why we do the show. I end up learning a bunch of shit. I'm like, oh. Dude, I learned a lot today. Didn't even know that. Like, I expected the cap to go up. I didn't expect it to go up by $22 million. Yeah, shit. That's quite a trend. That's, yeah, that's a boom. That's not a growth. That's a boom. Um, 
John Schultz is asking for some uh, some free agents, which is actually what we're going to get into right now. So, oh boy, John, good transition. You know what? He's he's talking about defensive guys, so we're going to start with the defense. We were going to okay. start with offense, but we got defense okay. questions in the comments. So Jake and I each have three targets on offense and three targets on defense that we would look at for Packers to bring in in free agency. So I will let Jake kick his off for the defense. Okay, well, since he's mentioned in a comment, I'm going to give you my number one guy to go get, and it actually is Akeem Hicks. Uh, putting another big-body guy that requires double teams next to Kenny Clark would just absolutely wreak havoc up front. Uh, look how good the Packers were in that playoff game against San Francisco. They stuffed the run very well. I mean, they gave up the run at the end, but they played well for, you know, 55 minutes, I'll say. Um just that last drive killed him, and that sucks. That was really a gut punch. But mm-hmm. you, you bring a guy like Akeem Hicks, and I know last year he was really, really injury-prone, and he's, he's getting older. He's 32 now, I believe. Yeah, 32. Um, but, you know, putting him next to a guy like Kenny could really, really extend his career for one. He wouldn't have to get doubled every play. Now you have to choose. Do we double Akeem Hicks or do we double Kenny? Now what are you going to do? Now you have two 300-pounders coming at you and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. And then if they bring Rasul Douglas back, now you got the no-fly zone. The Packers are going to have an elite defense if they get a guy like Akeem Hicks to come in. And, and you know, we're gonna. I'm just going to take it. We're just going to call it to him. Dean Lowry, the NFL's most improved player last season. Yeah, he was really, really good. He actually is $8 million on the cap, and people don't realize that. Which he is could be restructured high. down to three, I think. That would be absolutely amazing. And that would make enough room for a guy like Akeem Hicks to come in. That's a Super Bowl move right there, in my opinion. That's, yeah, and, and Preston Smith is one of the guys that deserves – Preston Smith deserves so much credit. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Cody is asking, what do you think about Zadarius Smith's contract? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried about Zadarius being gone. I've been preparing for it to happen. He only played two games last season, the first one and the last one. Bro, I mean, he played like 50 snaps total. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, he played like 50 snaps. And, so, John, I 100% agree it does start up front. That's why you get a guy like Hicks. You have the you, you have yep. Gary and you have Preston setting the edge on the run. We still Clark, we brought Devondre Campbell back, so he's stuffing yep. everything up the middle. I mean, this defense, you know, if they get a guy like Akeem Hicks and maybe draft a guy that me and Tyler both have mutual interest in, this could get serious up front yeah. for the Packers, man. It really, I could. think I really believe that when we talk about these free agents that we have on here, two of mine which got signed, one on offense and one on defense, within the last mm-hmm. like sixteen hours. Um, <laughs> I know I was so irritated. One last night and one like a couple hours ago. Um, the Packers are like one good draft away from being like a real powerhouse. Um, speaking of draft, Brad asked us a. a draft related question about tight end where are we getting a tight end um it tight end is is a position where i personally would like to bring back robert tunyon um mercedes lewis hasn't said anything yet so i don't know if he's returning or retiring um it doesn't sound like robert tunyon has a ton of interest i haven't seen really any rumors um about him receiving offers with the packers or any other team um, so I'd like to see if they could bring him back and I'd like to see the Packers draft one. Um, Jake and I have talked a lot about Robert or not Robert. Um, I almost said Robert Ferguson, freaking <laughs> wide receiver from 20 years ago. Um, Jake Ferguson, 
We've talked yeah. a lot about him, about the Packers potentially bringing him in, but this is a really good draft for tight ends. Um, Greg Dulcich from UCLA is a is a good looking tight end draft pick. Um, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is a guy that I like. Um, let's see. I like Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A and M. He's a yeah. he's a vertical threat kind of guy. Um, he doesn't have great here. speed, but he can stretch the field and. I think that's something that Green Bay really missed when Tunyon went down. Um, Isaiah Likely is a guy. He reminds me of Jermichael Finley. Um, oh, let's God. see. I used to love J. Mike, even though yeah. I hated on him. But um, Greg Dulcich from UCLA is really, really the guy that I want. Um, if we're talking about the the defensive lineman that we both like, it's uh, Logan Hall, right? Yeah, dude, that guy. He's gonna be good, man. And he would fit so perfect, dude. He's 6'5", 280. He plays three technique, five technique. I mean, this guy literally is, like, made to, like, fill right into that other defensive end spot in a 3-4 defense, man. It's uh, Logan Hall. He's from Houston. He's billed as, like, a raw pass rusher. Um, the last tight end that I was looking at um, is Troy, Trey McBride from Colorado State. Um, He's good. I like him. I like so, him. There's there's several tight ends that I'm really interested mm-hmm. in in this draft. Um, mm-hmm. The guy from Wisconsin, you know, being one of them. So my first defensive free agent wish list target was Chandler Jones, and he signed with the Raiders today. So my first defensive free agent wish list guy is gone. So I will let Jake give his second one. All right. So my second one, um, and somebody brought up another solid inside linebacker. Michael did would also be great. So. I went out and I was like, all right, let's sign this young guy from the Jags, Miles Jack. I all mean, right. think think about Miles Jack with his speed because he's fast and he can cover. Uh, him and Devondre Campbell just absolutely just clogging Shutting that middle. down the middle, yeah. Would really allow us to kind of switch and play more of a Tampa 2, cover 2, and just not have to bring Amos down in the box as often. And I think that could help Savage because Savage has a lot of responsibility out there. Savage contract is up after this year, by the way, so we have to re-sign him. So he might ball out this year. But back to Miles Jack, the guy's only 26. I mean, obviously he has injury concerns, but here's how you get a guy like Miles Jack. You say, listen, I know you haven't won a lot. Come here on a one-year prove-it deal, ball out, enjoy some winning culture, and then after you ball out, you can leave and you can go get paid. That's what I would say to Miles Jack. I mean, he led the Jaguars last year with 108 tackles. So this guy isn't afraid of contact. He knows how to attack the gaps. It's just he he'd have a year under the linebacker whisper, as Tyler coined him. So you get you get coached up, you win some games, and then you go out next year and you just go get overpaid by somebody, probably the Raiders because they like to overpay everybody. <laughs> that's that's what I would do. All right. So my second target actually is another inside linebacker. Um, Simon just asked in the comments, what do you think of Corey Littleton reuniting with Joe Barry? Um, I'm looking it up right now to see if Corey Littleton has any interest. Um, yeah, he's released from the Jag- from the Raiders, actually. Yep. Um, uh, by the way, Isaac, we don't have Jack in the box in Wisconsin, so you're going to have to ship it to him if he, if he signs with us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Corey Littleton will be a free agent. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't sound like he's highly I sought wanted, after. I wanted him a couple of years ago when we had shit middle linebackers before yeah. he went to the Raiders. I wanted I, him really badly. My second guy is Bobby Wagner, actually. 
Um, he's getting up there. He's a veteran guy. Um, it's rumored that all three NFC East or West teams are interested in him um, because he got cut from the Seattle Seahawks. It's rumored that all three other NFC West teams are interested in him. Okay. But if he doesn't want to sign with any of those teams and he wants to stick around in the NFC just to spite Seattle, like, come to Green Bay, help us win a Super Bowl. I mean, he would be an upgrade over Chris Barnes, as would Miles Jack. Miles Jack's obviously a younger option. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's another veteran inside linebacker. He's got experience. I mean, you, you put that in there with the linebacker whisperer, Joe Barry. I mean, you can't go wrong there, in my opinion. Yeah, you already have a guy with great instincts. So it's a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, putting, yeah, putting two, two, basically two all-pro middle linebackers on a team that's only had one in like the last 50 years. I will tell you, um, I looked up Bobby Wagner, you know, when we were talking about doing this list. And yep. they sh- they showed one of his lowlights, I'll call them, because he looked bad on this play. He got absolutely dragged by A.J. Dillon for like five yards for a touchdown. And I was like, that's not a good look. But A.J. Dillon does that to a lot of people. I'll just yeah, I'll say, A.J. Dillon, is a, he's a human truck. <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> and he is so cheap right now, man. Oh, he's so cheap. Like, All right. Diving into this damn salary cap just messing my head. <laughs> I know. The NFL salary cap is unlike any other sports yeah. salary cap. I mean, baseball doesn't have one, which is really annoying, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, the NFL, it's not Rodgers signs a three-year, $150 million extension. It's not Rodgers taking up $50 million of cap space for the next three years. It's not how it works. And, you know, as far as people continue saying, we're just pushing money back, we're just pushing money back, we're just pushing money back, that's the name of the game in the NFL. Yeah, that's not going to change. The Packers aren't the only team doing that. No, everybody's going to be pushing their money back. And you know what? Two years from now, we're going to push the money two years farther down. Yep. It's that's just how it's going to keep going. Every year, they're going to restructure and give guys a bigger signing bonus because that fully guarantees their money. And then they're going to push some salary down the road. So all this kicking the can down the road just puts today's problems in tomorrow's, you know, in tomorrow's schedule. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game. That's not going anywhere. That's going to continue. I mean, if you remember Lafleur uh, early in the offseason talking about bringing Rodgers back, he actually mentioned, you know, there's ways to manipulate the cap. You know, and we'll do what we have to do. This is what he's talking about. This is how you manipulate the cap. And we have one of the best in the business in Green Bay at at doing that very thing. Mm-hmm. Russ Ball, we've said it a bunch of times. Russ Ball is a wizard. He's the one that needs to get paid fifty million a year. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> that guy that guy has earned every single dollar of his contract. Isaac, you want a guy to buy culvers, buy Russ Ball culvers. Man. That guy I think that was the first it. one he said. <laughs> Good. Buy it twice. <laughs> Man. Send him a double right. order. <laughs> All right. So Extra cheese curds. Who's your last defensive free agent? My last one makes sense because he played here last year. Rasul Douglas. Right. Um, you wanna if if you wanna just keep the winning culture. He already is familiar with the locker room. He's familiar with the playbook. Uh, he had um, five interceptions last year. Two went for touchdowns. Actually, back to back games. I was at both of them. Absolutely electric atmosphere, dude. Um, Isaac was at one of them too. We were both at the Rams game. So seeing Rasul Douglas turn a pick six was honestly off of Mr. Pick six. (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. And then off the bears when they, when I was surrounded and they were all talking shit, man, that was amazing. Um, 
bringing Rasul Douglas back would give us three very good corners. I like our safety duo. And then from there, you can go in the draft or free agency and try to fix the front seven. Not that it's really broken, but we really need another defensive end. But bringing Rasul Douglas back. What a transition. What a transition. (laughs) My last guy is a defensive end. Let's go. And it's Emmanuel Ogba. He is 28. He's a durable, very durable defensive end. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. The last six seasons, last season, played 17 games. Year before, 16. Year before, 10. Year before that, 14. Year before that, 10. And his first year, 16. Okay. So he's missed what? Six, seven, eight. He's missed 14 games total in six seasons. Football is physical, man. So that's pretty solid. That's, you know, that averages out to about two games a year. That's, I mean, that's pretty solid. He's pretty durable. Um, he had nine sacks in both 2020 and in 2021. Um, had 24 quarterback hits last year, 21 the year before. Um, he'd bring a, he'd be a reliable, durable, pass rushing defensive end. Um, so Emmanuel Ogba is my third defensive free agent wish list. Um, very soon, we get, we got about two weeks yet before we can start getting into draft prep. Just yep. because we got to get the all the salary cap stuffs all happening first, um, and then free agency is probably going to kick in a bit, and then trade block stuff's going to kick in a little bit. That's why Jake and I um, have a very very short list of trade targets today, mm-hmm. um, and they're all at one position. <laughs> Basically, it's a, yeah, yeah, because it's a position that it's going to need to be addressed, and and Jake and I feel a certain way about it, um, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that when we do, but. Um, draft stuff is still probably a couple weeks away yet. Um, that being said, as far as free agency are concerned, let's switch to offense. Jake, give me your first offensive free agent wish list target. So my first one is Will Fuller. Um, I love Will Fuller. I love Will Fuller so much. I want him on the Packers. I love his game, but the reason that he's my third one, uh, AKA my last one is because he's so injury prone and it sucks. Yep. He would come in as a better version of MVS. And you everybody knows that I'm an MVS supporter. I loved MVS. His his job on the team was to stretch the defense, and right now we don't have one of those. Right. So Will Fuller would fill that void. He's also faster than MVS. A little bit smaller, but if he could stay healthy, Will Fuller on the Packers, and there is already mutual interest. There's been mutual interest for two yeah, years now. For two years, yep. It, it would, it would be a match made in heaven. They didn't want to pay a second-round pick two yeah. years ago. And – if he would come on and just catch some Rodgers bombs, that could really open some shit up, man. Will Fuller is – he's like – this is going to sound a little mean, but he's hes great value Tyreek Hill. Okay, I'm with that. He's a I'm guy that. that when you you know when you know set your, your offense up, like the red zone is anywhere when Will Fuller is on the field. Coin that right now. Coin that right now. That was brilliant. And I know you didn't try to do that, but that was awesome. I liked it. That's that's how Tyree Kill is, though. Like Tyree Kill, like anywhere is scoring distance. Will Fuller is the same way. God damn it, I like that. I'm mad. I didn't think that, that was good. That was good, man. So my my first um, offensive target was signed last night, and it was Morgan Moses, who is a tackle. Um, he's been on the Jets. He's played every game every year since 2015, but he signed with the Ravens late last night. So there's one of my guys gone, so I will kick it to Jake for his second 
guy. Um, to answer John, John, I really don't think it would cost much. Uh, he's coming if off he only of, did a one-year deal. Yeah, he's really, really coming. He's have to do a prove-it deal. He only had four catches for 26 yards last year, so he didn't get a lot of playing time. He did a one-year deal last year too. Yeah, so I think you know if you gave him, I don't know, I would say six million. I would say we can get a Will Fuller for six million. Let yep. him go out. Let him go out there, catch seventy passes for nine hundred fifty yards and eight touchdowns. He'll get paid. Tell you, tell you what, you give him, you give him five, and you put okay. incentives in for games played, touchdowns, yep. and yep, yep. depth of playoffs. Okay, I'm with that. Um, so my second one, Tyler already talked about, but it's Robert Tunyon. Um, a lot for a lot of the same reasons of Douglas. Uh, first of all, Tyler talked about, um. When you bring guys in, we're not going to bring rookies in to try to, you know, great, gain a relationship with Rodgers. Tunyon yep. already has Rodgers' trust. This, I mean, yeah, go, that's, that's go the to thing last year I... against the Lions, one of the craziest throws and catches ever, like as a combination, was Rodgers just putting it right here. And the defender is right here. So that was insane. Tunyon caught that. He has great catch radius. He's a tight end threat, uh, red zone threat, I mean, and yeah. he is a vertical threat. He can go right down the field. He was having, he started having a really, really good game against the Cardinals, the game that he got hurt, sadly. But he's a guy that could come in. He loves Green Bay. Obviously, he wrote a letter about it. So mm-hmm. I think Tunyon just – it's one of those moves that makes too much sense. Yeah. And this is so this is what I said when Jake was just saying that you don't want to have a rookie to, to try to gain trust with Rodgers. A lot of Rodgers' criticism comes from his hyper-targeting of Devontae in the 49ers game. Mm -hmm. So what I said, and this is going to lead into my next guy, is you don't want to have to have somebody to come in and have to build trust. You want somebody to come in that Rodgers can trust. Um, Brad just asked Austin Hooper in the comments. Um, From what I've read about Austin Hooper is he struggled with drops the last few seasons. Um he was really good in Atlanta, and he just didn't really regain that form in Cleveland outside of isolated games. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I would rather the Packers have somebody that averaged, say, four catches a game for 50 yards than to have a guy who would have eight catches for 75 yards and two touchdowns and then one catch for four yards the next week. I would rather the Packers have that consistent target that trusted target over that boom bust player personally. Yeah. I, and as and I think when you get to the playoffs, I think that's more important is having the consistency over the boom bust. <laughs> I mean, how not, even catch Odell. A Baker pass? <laughs> not even Odell. <laughs> yeah. That team, you know what? That's another good transition into my next guy is if you can put Odell Beckham jr. And Jarvis Landry on the same team and still not have a successful passing game, in addition to how damn good Cleveland's running game is, mm-hmm. like, like what's your problem? Like, Cleveland has a great offensive line. The best, I would argue the best running back duo, the Packers is pretty good, but they, I mean, they have two guys that could be starters. That can and Nick Chubb and Kareem run. Hunt. Yeah. That's, that's the best running back duo in the NFL. They had two very good wide receivers. I mean, they brought in they tight ends. Coach. They drafted Njoku. They have a good coach. Yeah. I mean, the last thing you're talking about is a capable quarterback. Literally, Jimmy Garoppolo could have won games with them. <laughs> yeah. And 
I mean, we'll see what happens with Trubisky. Personally, I hope he balls out so we can make fun of Bears fans. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens there. <sighs> but that brings me to my next guy. My next guy is Jarvis Landry. I originally was was on board with drafting a first round wide receiver, but I've transitioned, and I really don't think that's going to be the case this year. Jake and I were talking about it before the show. We think the Packers are probably going to go defense heavy in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe try to grab an offensive player in free agency. Jarvis Landry is a, he's a veteran guy. He's a slot wide receiver. Something I wanted the Packers to have for a long time. I was hoping they'd get it with Randall Cobb last year, but I mean, it, I mean, he was injured for a while. He had a couple really good games, but he wasn't that consistent guy. Obviously Tanya going down too hurt that, you know, he was that, that guy in the middle of the field that could kind of play the short game. Um, so slot receiver, he's, I mean, that's, it's been a need for years mm-hmm. for the Packers. Probably not since the first time Randall Cobb was here. Did we have a good slot receiver? He's trusted. He can be a possession receiver when you need it. You know, if you're on a third and three and Devonte Adams is getting triple covered, like you feel comfortable going to Jarvis Landry. He can win you a one-on-one. You don't you don't have to trust a, a Josiah DeGuara or an Amari Rogers or you know like Alan Lazard at times he's not the fastest I mean he's not slow but um you know that's he's a guy that I can trust a guy that Rogers can trust in a high pressure situation so Jarvis Landry is my number two Jarvis Landry versus Allen Robinson hang on hang on that's my guy. Allen Robinson. Do it. That's my last guy. So that was Good a great transition. question, Brad. Um, I wrote my first line, and I said Allen Robinson. And the first thing I wrote is, why not? If you if if we're going to go get this motherfucking title, let's go get the damn title. Right? Robinson is ultra talented. He's just been stuck on shitty quarterback teams. 100 receptions. He's still balled out. He was part of the, yeah. the Blake Bortles 45 touchdown season. I know, thirty-five. But um, or maybe he's had, he had forty-five hundred yards. Maybe that's what it was. He he's had a hundred receptions one time. He did that in twenty twenty. He's had over a thousand yards three times. Twenty fifteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, and he's had over ten touchdowns only one time. Twenty fifteen. So when you're thinking about that, and you're thinking about how big and and how he can make contested catches, I mean, yeah, and he's in. That was one of the reasons I put yeah. him on there. Is him and Devontae are so close. Allen Robinson is literally the epitome of prove it deal, right? Yep. So you're like, listen, Allen, you can come here. I know last year you wanted to sit out a lot of games because you wanted to shove it to Chicago. You really want to shove it to Chicago? Catch touchdowns from the guy that said I own you to the 80,000 fans in the stands. <laughs> how how would that be for shove it? How would that be for I own you? Allen Robinson on Green Bay across from Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers throwing you the football? That would be that would be hell for NFL defenses. I'll tell you that right now. Six three yeah. can jump, and that's you know that comes to a matter of of preference when it comes to Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller. Um, first of all, you got to make sure they're willing to come here. Yeah. Um, and then you know it's it's about fit. So if you know if the Packers are saying, hey, we're looking to replace the MVS role, and we need a fast guy, a guy to stretch the field, we're we're talking to Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. If we need a guy that can operate, you know, right behind the linebackers, we're looking for a slot receiver, a possession guy. We're going to talk to Jarvis Landry 
Or if we want a guy that can kind of do everything well, it does a little bit of everything, a little bit of size, a little bit of speed, a little bit of possession receiver, we're going to talk to Allen Robinson. That's all, you know, it's kind of a matter of preference there and, and availability as well. I will say this. Yes, Allen Robinson has had some injury problems, but, you know, it is a copycat league. They always say that, right? And when you look at the Rams, what did they have on offense? They had Cooper Cup, true number one. He worked out of the slot a lot. And then you had Odell. Obviously, oozing with talent, he's a number one wide receiver when he's right. You look mm-hmm. at Devontae Adams, what is he? He's the number one overall receiver, so clearly he's a number one. Yep. And you look at Allen Robinson, he has a talent to be the number one. He's a guy just like OBJ where he can be a number one on a lot of teams, on most teams, majority of teams. So for me, he's the perfect 1B to Devontae's 1A. So and that would, would just peanut butter jelly right there. I would I would argue the same for Will Fuller, honestly. Um, he's a guy that can he can score you a bunch of touchdowns. He can rack up yards. I mean, he, he can get behind the defense. He's that speed guy. Mm-hmm. So I would argue the same for Will Fuller. Will Fuller is capable of being a wide receiver one. He showed it in Houston with Deshaun Watson. I when mean, they traded DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, D-Hop. He played well after Hopkins got traded, though. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, and, and Watson's very good, too. So he's already had experience with a good he, quarterback. Exactly. And he's got a guy that can throw down the field. Mm-hmm. Michael, that that comment makes me so conflicted because I love A.J. Green. I would have loved him on the Packers like three years ago. Uh, at this point, at <sighs> oh, man, it pains me to say this. At this point, he's too old. He didn't um, really do anything last year, did he? I, don't I think he had like. I think his most memorable play was when he forgot the play call. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I love AJ Green, but I think the I think the sun is set for AJ Green. Emmanuel Sanders, Isaac, I think to me it would be on par with Randall Cobb. He's He'd like be a guy that, years old at this point. Yeah. Isn't he? A guy that would just kind of just kind of go out there. Um, I gotta see how we need a. I, I the Packers need a, a bona fide wide receiver too. Um, Alan Lazard, he tried and he filled that role at times, but like Jake said, we need a guy that when 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 Devonte is a is drawing as much attention as he does, that can go give you a wide receiver one week, anytime, not just once in a while, like which is something like Alan Lazard could do. Um, you know, Alan Lazard could give you that once in a while, but he's not going to give you that week to week to week to week to week that he's capable of being the number one wide receiver. Um, so I believe that Alan Lazard is capable of being the two, you know, the wide receiver two, but I don't think that Alan Lazard can step up and be the wide receiver one in a game where Devontae is drawing a ton of attention. Tim, don't even start that. We're Tim, not. No. Tim's back. No. I haven't seen Tim no. for weeks. I know. I know. And that's the he comes in with this bullshit. In here is Julio Jones. Come on, Tim. <laughs> We just said no to A.J. Green because he's old. And he comes in here and says Julio Jones first thing back. This guy. <laughs> God damn, Tim. Welcome <laughs> back, you shit talker. No, we're not signing Julio Jones. God. I can- no. Oh, my God. I was laughing last year when he went to Tennessee, and they're like, oh, Julio's in Tennessee. They're about to go crazy. Yeah, and he played like fucking like nine snaps. <laughs> he barely played, dude. That guy's. He's injury prone. He's so bad now. He's oh man, he's been injury prone. Yeah, Simon said it. I saw the screenshot from Aaron Nagler. Even before anybody proposed it, he took a screenshot of of Julio Jones being released, and he just said no. So I I agree with that. No, hundred percent, no, hundred percent, no. 
Okay. Um, my no, my last offensive target is a wide receiver again, and it's Byron Pringle. Uh, I wanted him last year, and the reason that I want him is still the same. It's not so much to play wide receiver. I want Byron Pringle for the return game. Byron yeah. Pringle, he is a very good kick returner, and he can be a very good punt returner. Um, we're going to have Kylan Hill back eventually. Um, don't know when. Um, and Kylan Hill showed a little bit of promise in the return game. But um, I would I would love to have a specialist. So it comes to special teams. We've got the new coordinator. Let him go get some specialists. Let's get a return specialist. The Rams had a return specialist. There are guys out there that, that are just return specialists. Let's go get one. I wanted Byron Pringle last year, and I want him again this year. I want Byron Pringle on the Packers. Imagine Rodgers only having to drive 60 yards instead of 80 yards every fucking drive. Jesus. The guy's or already more. efficient. <laughs> give him fi- give him 20 less yards to drive. The guy will throw 50 yeah. touchdowns easy. And Oh, God. Yeah, we, we talked about this. If the Packers go from worst in the league to just middle of the league in special teams. Mm-hmm. Man, I was like, man, let them get up to like 19th. I'll be happy with 19th. That's yeah, what 90 I, yeah. yards. Yeah, dude, seriously. Oh, my I God. I pictured the 15-yard line. That's where it felt like they got Oh, my line. God. Oh, so annoying. Like, oh, hey, Rodgers, we know we put a lot of responsibility on you, and this is the playoffs, but you're going to drive from the 10-yard line every every drive. And the defensive end is going to be there in exactly two and a half seconds. All right, great. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Oh, we're going to double Devante. Make it really, really easy on you. Jesus. And then people are just like, oh, Rodgers sucks. Let's trade him. You guys are a bunch of... Freaking smart asses, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Ay, ay, ay. Um, I'm a, take a crack at pronouncing the name that, that uh, Michael just proposed. All right. Oh, God. I'm so <laughs> bad at this shit. All right, who cares? Let's do it. All right. Chukwuma Okuarfor. Oh, I can't say the last name. Okorafor. <laughs> Chlorophyll? More like Borophyll. Oh my god, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> I had to, it's a good movie, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> um I hope somebody a... got the reference. Anyways. Um he is on the Steelers. He is actually sticking with the Steelers. So he would be a um he would have to be a trade target. <laughs> See? Thank you. <laughs> Chlorophyll, oh, more like, it's a good movie, damn it. Thank Shut you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's why we're friends, man. Internet friends are real friends. I don't care what nobody says. Thank you. All right. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> all right. Let's go. I Keep hate going. all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the last thing Jake and I are going to do today, uh, as far as the Packers are concerned, yes. is... We both have we, – we wanted to talk about some trade targets, but Jake and I got down to it, and all the trade targets we had were all wide receivers for the you know the reasons that we mentioned was you want a guy that Rodgers can trust, not the guy that he has to build trust. So Jake and I are looking at a handful of wide receivers. Jake's got three. I've got two, so I'm going to let Jake go first. But – okay. 
Um, give me your first wide receiver trade target. All right. So the first one that I came up with, and it, it will solve our slot wide receiver problems, is Cole Beasley. Uh, he's been brought up a lot. Um, he's on the he's on the block. He's 32 years old. This is the guy that's demanded the slot for many years now in Dallas and in Buffalo. Now, you bring him in here. So, I brought up that he played in Buffalo, which is obvious. But because there's bad weather out there, so you come to Green Bay. One of the things that you have to deal with is the weather. So, a guy like Cole Beasley, uh, he would be huge on third downs. I think, um, especially you know, imagine a situation where we bring back Tanyan. We have Cole Beasley in the slot. You still have Devontae out to the right or left, whichever side you want to. And we put two running backs on the field. Both are running backs on the field. And then you got the two back-to-back MVP throwing on the ball. Who the hell are you guarding? Yeah, he did two years ago. Last year he was, I mean, he was all right last year. He had 82 catches for 693 yards and a touchdown. But with Rodgers, that production's instantly just going to go, not that Josh Allen is bad, but Rodgers is the best in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I knew Isaac was going to like that one because that's, that's one that Isaac's wanted for a while. I would really like Cole Beasley. Um, Brad just threw out Ray Ray McLeod. It sounds like he might stick around in Pittsburgh. He's, I don't know about him, but I do have a Pittsburgh guy on my list, and it's Chase Claypool. Um, you know, you might hear the name and think, wow, he had a really great rookie year. Pittsburgh's not trading him. Do you remember it was the Steelers and I don't remember who they were playing against. It was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night football game Mm -hmm. and the Steelers are driving, trying to win the game. They're down by, I think they were down by six or, or four. Maybe they were driving. They needed a touchdown. Chase Claypool gets a catch for a first down and he doesn't run the ball to the center to get a snap. He drops down. He does the point for the first down mm-hmm. thing. And they were playing the Vikings, by the way. The, oh, that was the Vikings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing in that situation? That's a. It was a maturity issue, and apparently, it's not the only maturity issue that Pittsburgh has had with Chase Claypool. And the way that that team's going, like they're putting their eggs in Mitchell Trubisky's basket, and they're in a tough division. I think they're heading for a, a full scale rebuild. They're literally the Bears. They are literally the Bears of the AFC North now. (laughs) They just took their old quarterback, and they got a good defense. Yeah. So, you know, looking at that team, like Chase Claypool in two years when the market booms is not sticking around in Pittsburgh. Um, Deontay Johnson, I think, is a guy they're going to invest in. Um, He proved to be their best wide receiver last year, and I think think they're going to invest in Deontay Johnson. That being said, Claypool might be attainable because he's going to be on his rookie deal. Um, He's very likely not going to re-sign in Pittsburgh when the market booms. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like him for his maturity issues, like the Packers can grab him and say, hey, we saw what you did. Don't ever do it again. Um, I think that's the point he's trying to make, Brad, is Claypool would instantly have to grow up in Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Instantly yeah. have to grow up. Like listen, if I had man, a dollar for every around. time, every time I heard, let's bring OBJ, Antonio Brown, and Josh Gordon into Green Bay. Like, why not Claypool? Shit, we might we might have four hundred sixty five million dollars, <laughs> just like the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, and you know, and Claypool is is young and not 
dealing with time removed from the league and from, you know, players and stuff. Um, so Chase Claypool is my first wide receiver target. And getting to play opposite of Devontae. Whoa. Yeah. By the way, in that Vikings game, he made some crazy catches. Um, my next one, I'm going to go on my next one. You can answer Tim if you'd like. Um, Tim is asking I, for JJ. Is he talking about Juju? He better not be talking about Julio Jones. I better know that. Oh, I think he is. That son of a bitch. <laughs> I tried to be nice and be like, is he asking about Juju Smith-Schuster? But he's probably Juju talking Smith-Schuster about... Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent. Um, not sure where he's going to end up. <laughs> All right. Let me see. Um, my second one is... <laughs> he is the bastard. <laughs> I'm talking about Tyler Lockett. Uh, this yep. guy is a straight stud. Yes. Uh, he's 29 years old. He turns 30 in September. Um, he has three straight thousand. You suck, Simon. Nobody read uh, Simon's comment. Nobody. Hey, delete the comment. <laughs> I could. Delete I totally the could. comment. I can. I can delete it. I can block him from commenting. Don't, don't do that. Don't <laughs> do that. Um, but I got Tyler Lockett. Um, he's a guy that could be outside, inside presence. He could do both. He's a good vet. Uh, obviously play with Russell Wilson, so he's he's good with a guy with a good ball placement. He has a great catch radius. Um, last he year he had seventy field too. Yeah, he had seventy three catches for eleven hundred seventy five yards and eight touchdowns. So that's great production um, out of your number. He he was really the number one at times last year with Seattle, where he could be the number one at times for Green Bay if they decide to double or triple coverage Devonte. You know what I'm saying? So um, that being said, Tyler Lock would be great in Green Bay. He said, no, come on. Simon, I'm not going to block you from commenting. You just suck for stealing my guy before I got there. Um, Brad did that in the bonus episode on Friday night, too. He's like, well, what about Brandon Jennings? Right before I list Brandon Jennings as a guy who wasn't as successful when he left Wisconsin. Um, (laughs) Hey, guys, is LaVisco an option? (laughs) Um, Anyways, moving on to other comments. Um, Can one was asking if we can get Logan Hall in the first round with our pick. Yes, I would say at the end of the first round we could get Logan Hall. Um, I don't think we need to move up for him. I think right we around the 28th. We have the 28th pick, yeah, 28th and he's pick. projected a 28th prospect. Yeah, yeah. so I think Logan Hall would be a, a very solid first-round pick. It's kind of um, like God's trying to tell us something. <laughs> you know what I'm hey. Um, Simon just yeah, whatever. Anyways, one more comment before I talk about the guy that's already being talked about in the comments. Uh, thoughts on releasing Corey Bajorquez? Uh, it's not really a release. It's just a he's just a free agent. Um, I don't know that this is an option, but Johnny Hecker got released by the Rams. He's only thirty-two. I don't know. Like, I hey, mean... you just want a Super Bowl? You want to come win another one? Yeah, it's different kicking in Green Bay, though, man. It's tough. Yeah, that that's and tough. that's yeah. But Hecker is a hell of a punter, so I'm not going to take it away from He's, him. He might be the GOAT punter. I don't know about that. That's a let's give kickers some love one day, I think. We'll go into that. A bonus episode? You want to do GOAT kickers? You want to do the GOAT punter and the GOAT kicker? <laughs> and then we could do returner as well. All right. we could do. Hey, GOAT special teams. We can put that in a, in a bonus episode. All right. I like I'm going to write that down. Keep going. All right. You write that down, then. I'll talk about LaVisca Chenault. That's already been talked about three times in the comments. <laughs> um. Reading about the Jaguar. Oh, Shane Leckler is okay. That's fair. Um, that's what I was thinking of. Shane, yeah, Shane Leckler. That's fair. Um, the guy that really started this conversation for Jake and I, it also happened this morning. We were like, hey, do we want to do some trade targets? 
because LaVisca Chenault might be on the trade block. Um, we already mentioned the Jaguars signing Christian Kirk. They signed Evan Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Overpaid. Jesus. Yeah, $9 million for Evan Ingram. Like, no thanks. Anyways. Yeah. Go run fast. <laughs> so there's rumors that the Jaguars are um, potentially interested in trading LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault played 42% of his snaps in the slot last season. He forced the second most missed tackles, and he'd be attainable. Zay Jones is the other one. Um, he'd be attainable from the Jaguars. Wouldn't have to pay a ton for him. Even, I don't know, maybe maybe a fifth-round pick. He's a guy that's been in the league for two years now, um, and he's a, a slot receiver that's shown that he can produce. So LaVisca Chenault is actually the guy that gave me – Gave me the idea to ask Jake to say, hey, do we want to get some some trade targets in here? So um, Chase Claypool and LaVisca Chenault are my two guys to potentially, you know, for Green Bay. If, if they're going to look at trading for somebody, those are the two that I got. I think Jake's got one more. All right. So I got one more. Um, and this is the guy that we've all been talking about for a couple years now. He's stuck over there in Houston. They're going to trade their quarterback, Brandon Cooks, man. Um, this guy's only 28. So he's still going to be on the right He's only 28? He's been traded 28 times. I know, dude. He's only 28. He turns 29 in September. Just like He's the same age as Allen Robinson. Yep. Wow. Um, The thing about him is six out of his eight NFL seasons, 1,000 yards. Now, I want to tell you something. Wow. When you said that about Will Fuller, when you said that he's the great value version of Tyreek Hill, I instantly looked at my paper and I was like, yeah, I think that's Brandon Cooks, to be honest with you. He's small. He's fast. They both get over a thousand yards, but nobody talks about Brandon Cooks as an in- impact player like that. Um, last year, the Houston quarterback situation was freaking ugly. Everything about yeah. Houston was freaking ugly. Mm. He still managed ninety receptions for a thousand thirty-seven yards and six touchdowns. So he, he was still, literally still the only bright spot on that team. Yeah, he still produced. Uh, so Brandon Cooks would be my dream trade target. That would he stretches the defense and slot, so he's just everything. He can catch a lot of passes, and he's another guy. With Tyler's new catchphrase: "The red zone is everywhere." I would I would love Brandon Cooks on the Packers. I wanted him last year, um, last year before the trade deadline. Um, Cody brought up a guy that I had at the bottom of my page to potentially look into, and I had to cross him off because he resigned with the Jets, and that's Braxton Berrios. Um, he resigned. He's a he's a really small guy. He's similar to to an Adam Humphreys or a, a Scotty Miller, a Cole Beasley. He's that kind of receiver, um, but he's sticking around in in New York. Um, somebody asked in the comments, trade, trading Devonte if no deal. Personally, I I don't think that that's at all on the minds of the Packers. I think it's all just going to be. They're going to get a deal done with Devontae. Devontae's going to stick around. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be something like a three-year extension. Yep. And I think what they're haggling over right now is obviously the yearly amount. And the guaranteed money is going to be part of it as well. Um, He's going to they, secure the bag, dude. Yeah. They, yeah they, have, they have time to do this. They have almost four months. Um, 121 days. There you go. I counted it the other day when we really started talking about it. <laughs> July 15th is the date. So they have yes. until July 15th to get a deal done that would void the franchise tag. 
um, in between now and then. Like Devontae can still field offers from other teams, but um, you know the Packers are gonna are gonna do what it takes to keep Devontae. I mean, and rightfully so. He's top two, not two, right? Right. And you know it's crazy that me and Tyler are in the minority, and some of our friends who are in the comments, Cody, Simon, Isaac, they're also in the minority. When you're the best at what you do, you get paid the most money. That's how it works. I'm sorry. When I'm at my job and I, I see somebody that sucks at their job, I'm la, at the same job that I'm doing, I'm like, I have no idea why I'm making the same amount of money as this stupid, lazy SOB. So do you think that Devante wants to get paid the same amount of money as people that are not as good as him? No. He's had people for the last two, three years saying that he's the best in the league. Yeah, I was talking about Christian Kirk, but I didn't want to name his name. But <laughs> Christian Kirk is literally middle of the pack. He, yeah. he got paid $21 million. Devontae does not want to get paid $20 million when he knows he's better than Christian Kirk. That's not up for debate, okay? He needs to get that 27 or 28, so he's around D-Hop because that is the company that he keeps. And honestly, at this point, D-Hop just keeps getting injured. I don't even know if it's close anymore. And I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but I'm just saying, man. It's getting to a point where, like, is Tyreek Hill better than DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> See, and that's a debate we can have, man, because Tyreek Hill plays every week. If <laughs> Isaac said, I'll buy Tay some Famlocks. Jesus he's, he's the logo for Famlocks. You don't have to buy him some. He's the logo for Famlocks. <laughs> um like Jake said, you don't you don't trade the best players at their position. No, why? Especially when you're not in a position to be rebuilding. No, um, I'm trying to win a damn title. We want the best wide receiver. History shows when Packer receivers leave Rodgers, they die. Personally, we I don't. We did a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, personally, you know, I I agree, and I believe that the precedent has been set for that, and I think that could be you know a reasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. But if you were to compare Devontae Adams to Greg Jennings to James Jones to Javon Walker, who was with Brett Favre, those guys, none of them were or ever would be as good as Devontae Adams. Um, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver that Rodgers has had. Um, he's going to break the, the, the records that him and Jordy Nelson set that he hasn't broken already together. Um, and I love Jordy Nelson. He's one of my favorite Packers ever, but Devontae Adams is a better talent than Jordy Nelson. He's a better wide receiver. Jordy Nelson did great things and he has, um, you know, he had a great rapport with Aaron Rodgers. but like, as far as talent is concerned, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever had. That's a hundred percent understandable. Um, I want to reply to Brad's comment and I'm not going to do it the way that Tyler did, but I'm just going to say, in kind of a cocky way, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers is like really freaking good or something. <laughs> we should just trade him too. Jesus Christ, a bunch of oh, smart man. armchair GMs, man. I'm just you know the I'm almost at it, my point, man. <laughs> when it comes to franchise quarterbacks, you either have to mortgage your draft future or you have to pay. I mean, that's what you gotta do. And True. you know, the Chiefs paid, the Cowboys paid, the Ravens are gonna pay. The Bills paid. Um, the Texans paid. He's getting traded, but 
when you look at whatever team is going to trade for Deshaun Watson and you look at what the the Broncos just gave up for Russell Wilson to have a franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. you're talking about not having a first round pick for the next two years. You're talking about not having a first a first and a second round pick for the next year and a half. You're talking about not having third round picks for the next two years. And ooh, you get to swap a sixth for a fifth two years from now. Yeah, the Packers. The, the Packers are keeping a franchise quarterback and all their draft picks. And you know what? At the end of the day, winning fixes everything, and that's clear and obvious. That's the name of the game in sports. Rodgers gets one Super Bowl. All this headache is worth it. I don't care what anybody yeah, says. All this off-season circus with Adam Schefter and and him going on Pat McAfee and the fifty million per year and. Everything, everything, it's all worth it. Just get another title, bring that baby back home. That's all That's all it's about, man, at the end of the day. All right, so I think that's all we got for Packers. If you want, if you want to be, you know, more informed about the salary cap, Jake and I did a lot of talking about it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing more, more Packers stuff coming up. It's probably going to be a couple weeks. Um... Good move. Miles Jack signing with the Steelers. Good move. That's a great move for him. Not going to lie. All right. Well, there goes one of Jake's guys. I'm glad one of Jake's guys got signed, not just all of mine. Well, <laughs> I originally had uh, Devondre Campbell on there as well, but obviously mm. we resigned him. So okay. I just replaced Campbell with Jack. <laughs> Tried right, to give him a partner fair. in crime. Yeah, that's the same thing that I did with Bobby Wagner, is trying to give Devondre Campbell a partner <laughs> in crime. Not so, that we hate Chris Barnes or anything, but. I mean, he got better as the year went on, but the guys that we mentioned would be upgrades. Yep. So, like I said, it's probably going to be a couple weeks, and then Jake and I are going to get real heavy into draft prep. Um, So for those asking draft questions, stick with us. That's going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Um, Speaking of coming up, um, just want to throw it out there while we're in this transition here. Next week, we are doing our Milwaukee Brewers primer. So Andrew McCutcheon got introduced today. With the Brewers, they start spring training games on Friday. Um, so next Wednesday, Jake and I are going to do our Milwaukee Brewers primer. But before we get to the Brewers, we're going to keep talking about the Bucks. So we're going to switch from football to baseball and now into basketball. And we are going to start with the Bucks. Um, Simon, we are super excited for draft prep too. Honestly, that in the last year-ish, we've been doing this for show for about a year and a half. Uh, the draft prep is one of my favorite things that we've done. Um, I already have a page and a half of notes. Oh, look at this guy! Just I've done. I've just been watching some highlight videos, reading some (laughs) top 100. When Dane Brugler from the Athletic comes out with his draft list, that's where I did like 90% of my research. His he, oh my god, he's so good. Dane Brugler, so good with his draft prep. That's where almost all of my notes came from last year. Was from Simon. Maybe we can have you on, buddy. Seriously, if you're super excited, I would not be opposed to it. I'm just throwing out ideas. We could just have a a, just a draft prep episode where people just come on and give us. Hey, ideas. Simon, do you live in Wisconsin? Answer me in the comments. Answer me quickly. Yes, no. Those, it's three letters or two letters. Hurry up. <laughs> you typed LaVisca Chenault super fast. You can type yes or no quickly. <laughs> no, no. Now he's thinking it's time. Now he's thinking it's time. Hey, while we're waiting. While we're okay. Waiting. He said while yes. We're, we're planning on doing. Oh, no, this. All right, whatever. Never mind. Wait, you really live in Texas? I invite you to the live show, but all right, whatever. What the hell? 
no Parker Johns in Texas, so not yet yeah, at least. Maybe they will be someday. Texas, bro. That's where my sister lives. My sister lives in Texas. Yeah, I know. All right, but well, you can virtually join us then. We're planning on doing uh, mock drafts live again. We did that last year at the Sheboygan Parker Johns. So um, we're aiming for the Keel Parker Johns for our live mock drafts this year. But we're going to switch to basketball. We're going to talk about the Bucks. We're going to start with the Bucks and the Hawks game from last Wednesday. And we are going to start with that. So let's talk about the Bucks and the Hawks. So uh, the Bucks kept their winning streak alive against the Hawks. Um, Giannis had 43, 12, and 5. He had 17 of his 43 in the first quarter. And I wanted to point this out because I was really It only took nine minutes for him to get 17 points. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, he scored 82 points in a 24-hour span because he had 39 against OKC and then they played back-to-back against the Hawks. So 82 points in... And 24 hours is pretty incredible. Also, I'm just going to say right now, I think Giannis is the best player in the league. I don't care what anybody says. I don't want to hear I, I agree with you. If you do the impact on both sides of the floor. Um, yep. So now, continuing. Uh, both both teams shot really well. Uh, field goal percentage-wise, they both shot 50%. From three, they were about the same. Uh, rebounding, the Bucks won by six, and the Hawks had two more assists. Um, but I wanted to point out, Bobby Portis had a good game, 23-15. And Chris Middleton, I'm I'm still not, you know, all on the – he said your math is off. No, your math is off. But, um, he's, okay, give me the math then, math wizard. Jeez. <laughs> math um, wizard. Hey, dude, my math, dad actually is a on, math wizard. Stay tuned on player of the week. We do our power pair for the week. Stay we do, tuned we on that. Um. Spoiler Bobby alert. Portis, 23 and 15. And I'm sick of people saying that Chris Middleton's not a good passer. That's getting really annoying. Dude, it's super annoying. It really is. Like, how many times have we had the discussion where the Giannis and Chris Middleton pick and roll is damn near unstoppable because Chris can, like, thread that needle? How about the baseball passes? Right, dude. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the stuff that Chris Middleton does, and then, you know, throwing the lobs. The second lob that he threw to Giannis was a great pass. Dead. 43 plus 39 is 82. That's 82. It's still 82 at this very moment. It's still 82. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, uh, give a shout-out to Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis. They had 27 of the team's 31 points in the second quarter, so that was impressive. Those guys can just get on fire. And the Hawks apparently are better, and they get to go on national television against the Knicks. That's so annoying. It's, that's we talked about that when Drew that's Holiday fair. was out, where Middleton is forced to handle the ball, where he was mm-hmm. kind of forced to be the point guard for a while. That's where he got into trouble. A lot of the Bucks players are like that when they're dribbling too much. They get into like they dribble off their feet, they dribble off their opponent's feet. They, you know, they get their pockets picked. I, a lot of the Bucks players are like that. Too much things dribbling are, is a bad thing. Things and are getting back the, to normal, though. They're getting back to normal. And, you know, with Brooke being back. With less dribbling, too, goes more passing, more ball yeah. movement. The Bucks have been doing yeah. that better a lot lately. <clears throat> um, so you mentioned Chris Middleton and his scoring. What he's doing, and I, I, I put this in here with the Jazz game, but I'm going to bring it up now because I want to bring it up again. We haven't talked about Chris Middleton's improvement at getting to the basket. Chris Middleton, you know, a lot. There's so much discussion about Giannis, and it's deserving because he's he's great. We're witnessing greatness as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton doesn't 
get a ton of credit for things that he's improving at. He's getting to that age where he's, you know, he's not going to improve anymore because he's, you know, he's getting close to, um, you know, being out of his prime or whatever. He's a shooter. So his prime can last longer, but um, he's scoring at all three levels. We know Chris Middleton's a great mid range shooter. We know he's a good three point shooter, but he's getting to the basket a lot and he's finishing there effectively. With the left, bro. He's with going the crazy left, with dude. the left. Yes, I agree with that. So he's I know I wanna I wanna bring this up and I'm gonna bring it up again when we talk about the jazz game, but he's scoring at all three levels. Mm-hmm. Um the Bucks held several double digit leads in this game, but what it came down to is Giannis is too strong and too fast. That's what it is. There's very few players in the NBA that can handle the combination of his strength and speed. Um, Clint Capella could handle the strength, but not the speed. John Collins can kind of handle the speed, but he is not anywhere near strong enough to hang with Giannis. Yeah, Giannis, uh, he's just, we are blessed. We really are. We get to watch Aaron Rodgers and then Giannis, dude. It's awesome. It's awesome. And like I said, he's too fast and he's too strong. Uh, the Bucks held Trey Young to five points in the first half. He went crazy in the second half, though. And and you know those the crazy deep threes, like you live with that. That's a low percentage shot. Like let him shoot that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake mentioned the twenty-seven to thirty-one second quarter points by Bobby and Middleton. Um, getting into the later parts of this game, Nate McMillan got ejected for arguing offensive foul calls. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, it happens. Like Giannis gets called for probably more of them than I would say any player in the league. And and he wanted to argue about it. He got double teched and he got thrown out. Um, other than the Bucks from the three point line, a, really a solid game by the Bucks. They didn't shoot great from three, but they shot well everywhere else. Only five missed free throws. And I'm going to I'm going to coin a term. I made up my own statistic here. And I'm going to call it fundamental failures. So what I'm going to do, and it's going to take me a while to kind of get a gauge of what's good, what's not, and how to, you know, how to analyze it. But missed free throws, points off of turnovers, and second chance points. Obviously, the missed free throws is something the Bucks would do. And then points off of turnovers would be the Bucks turning the ball over, the other team scoring, and then the Bucks not finishing mm-hmm. defensive possessions giving up offensive rebounds to the other team and giving them second chance points. So the three fundamentals there are obviously make your free throws. Don't turn the ball over and box out to not give up offensive rebounds. So fundamental failures, failing at the fundamentals, the Bucks missed five free throws. They gave up 13 points off of turnovers and only four second chance points. This is going to be when we get to the Warriors game, but only 22 fundamental failure points. So, that's what I'm going to call it. That's what I thought of. Um, I think my benchmark is going to be to try to keep that number under 25. It might be 30, but we'll see. Um, I got to get some more games into this and and kind of really feel it out because I've really only just started calculating this since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And the Nets game, where the fundamental failures by the Bucks spotted the Nets 59 points. That was that's, disgusting. That's pretty. They bad. lost that game by three. Should not have lost that game. Oh god! All right, let's talk about the Bucks and Warriors. Okay. Um, you want to do this one fast? Yeah. Do it like um, a band aid. 
So the Bucks did not play well. And I saw somebody comment and be like, looks like Giannis is the only one that showed up today. And, yeah, you look at his stats, and there's 31, 8, and 3, but he was a minus 26 when he was on the court. Now, not all of that is his fault, and I understand that, because Clay Thompson was ridiculous. Jordan Poole was ridiculous. I mean, between them two, what they have? 13 three-pointers? 13 of their team's 18 three-pointers came from two people. And Steph Curry and only had two of them. Clay, Clay Thompson had had, like, or six one. bad games in a row. Yeah. But he was due for one of these. I mean, look at look at look at what happened in the next game too. I mean, you're looking at Michael Conley, who's a good player, a little bit past his prime, but he had a bunch of bad games in a row, and then he plays good against us too. So yep. it is what it is. Um, but the team just didn't play well. Nobody shot well. Giannis was nine of seventeen. It's not good. It's not bad. It's kind of average. Uh, Middleton was six of nineteen. It happens. Drew Holiday five of eleven. Back-to-back games where he scored only 11 against the Hawks. Now he only scored 13 against the Warriors. That's not what I expect out of Drew Holiday, especially from the games leading up to this. He was in my stat of the week with Middleton, and he was just going insane. Look at Bobby Portis. Four points. Two of ten. Yeah. Four on threes. Yeah. Four, six, and three assists. Three assists is actually kind of surprising for him. But, you know, and then – the one person I wanted to point out that I thought had a really good impact, and everybody's kind of hard on him for some reason, is Ibaka. He had 15 and six. I thought, he dude, I'm loving right. Ibaka. I, and you know what? I, you know what? I think the reason for that is, I th- oh god, it's it annoys me to even say this. Take care, Tim. No more Julio Jones talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it pains me to say it. It annoys me more to say it. You know, people are still talking about Demarcus Cousins. Oh my god. It's time to move on. It's been Ugh. time. We have Ibaka. He's Ugh. he's doing what the Bucks need better than DeMarcus Cousins. Cool. DeMarcus Cousins had a 30-point game once. Yeah, that's awesome. He still shoots like 30% on threes. Man, I schooled one guy cuz he was like, "He's dropping 30. How could you not want him?" I was like, "He literally did it one time." He was like, "He did it multiple times." So I went and I got the screenshot of all of his games on ESPN of Every single one of his games, minutes, field goals, everything. Only one 30-point game on there. Just one. He, one single 30-point game. He averages like 9 and 6. I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm not saying that at all. He actually played pretty well when he was on the books. But it just wasn't going to work out. They had a plan. They went and got Ibaka. He stretches the floor. He protects the paint. He's okay, a much cool. better fit. Yeah, easily a better fit. But what, what do I know? Nothing. <clears throat> All right. Um, Grayson Allen struggled in this game as well. Yeah. Um, it bothered me. This was like I don't complain about Budenholzer a ton, but I want to hold him accountable. And you know, we don't we don't just blindly defend anybody for no reason. But um, I wanted to ask why why when Javon Carter is in the game is Chris Middleton bringing the ball up the floor? To me, that just I don't know. I don't know it just sat weird with me. Um, the other thing that bothered me with this was. Chris Middleton got really hot in the third quarter. Um, yes, Brad, attitude is definitely worth bringing up as well. Cousins versus Ibaka. Um, Chris Middleton, he had like a like a three-minute stretch where he got really hot. And then Giannis and Drew came back in and they went away from Chris. I mean, you, you're literally watching the other the team that I would say in the NBA the most that rides with their hot hand. Like, I'd like to see the Bucs maybe just give that a try. I mean, the Jazz do it a lot like – Donovan Mitchell was taking heat checks for a while 
Um, well, you didn't make them at the end. Yeah, he ran out of gas, but um, yes. you know the the Warriors they'll ride with a hot hand. Curry, Curry didn't carry, dish out a bunch of assists to Jordan mm. Poole and Clay Thompson. So going in the future, I'd like to see that maybe see the Bucks ride with a hot hand a little more. Um, this is the game I want to bring this up because the Bucks went with an all defensive lineup, and it was really cool until it, you know, ended in not cool mode, but um, the Bucks ran an all-defense lineup. Um, they ran Javon Carter with Drew Holiday, Wesley Matthews, Giannis, and DeAndre Bembry. It was really it was a cool lineup. It was all defense, and then you still have um, Giannis and Drew to create your offense. Javon Carter can hit some threes. Bembry, he's a little bit of a 3-and-D guy. Um, and then Wesley Matthews, who can shoot the three. And then um, DeAndre Bembry got hurt, tore his ACL and MCL. Um, in response to that, the Bucks are bringing in Tyreek Hill to a G League deal. So mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill is going to play, or Tyreek Evans, Tyreek Hill, that's NFL, we did that already. Tyreek Evans is going to work out with the Wisconsin Herd with a potential to join the Bucks. So that's what the Bucks responded to the DeAndre Bembry injury with was um, – reigniting their interest in Tyreek Evans. So that and the fundamental failures from this game. The Bucks, as bad as they were in this game, they didn't turn the ball over too much. They didn't they only gave up five points off turnovers. They did miss seven free throws, which is kind of a lot. And the big thing with this one was second chance points. The Bucks gave up tons of offensive rebounds and twenty second chance points. We got a rebounded 55 to 39. They whooped our ass on the boards, man. So the fundamental failure points for that game was 32. Yeah. I feel like over 30 is a little high. Yeah, opinion. that's yeah. That's the, the 25 30 range. And it gets weird when we get to the Jazz game. That's why I say I need more time to collect some more data and analysis on this. But yeah. um I can just tell you what it is for the Jazz game, and we can just yeah. move into the Jazz game with that. Um, the Bucks, the Bucks missed four free throws. They gave up 15 second chance points, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say I, it might have just been the pace of this game. The Bucks and the J- and the Jazz both just running around. Um, the Bucks gave up 22 points off of turnovers. Jazz like to get up and down, man. Yeah, and and the Bucks do too. So I I feel like the pace might have contributed to that. Um, and who knows? Maybe I'll just have to look at this as as three different parts of the same statistic and and see. You know, from that, but that adds up to forty-one. Ooh. But the Bucks won this game, yeah. so I mean, you know, maybe it comes down to I executing know better in in light of of failing at the fundamentals. But um, we'll see. Any more experience with this? I think you might have to do <clears throat> the fundamental failures for both sides to kind of weigh it, because to see what yeah. the Jazz gave up. Like, they might have done, like, a 35 to a 41, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of throwing numbers out there. Something to think about. Um, so, Bucks jazz Bucks ended up winning this game 117-111. First time they won in Utah since 2001, which is crazy, because Tyler and I were both eight <laughs> years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Giannis, 30-15-4. Uh, Chris Middleton, 23-3 rebounds, four assists. And Drew Holiday... 29 points, four rebounds, seven assists, and five steals. The guy was a five freaking steals, menace. Five steals, yeah. He was back. 
Um, I wanted to point out a couple plays from Chris and Drew. Uh, we always give Giannis love, you know, understandably so, but I like giving those other guys some love when they deserve it. Um, Chris Middleton had two just nasty shots. He had one step back three that was on Hassan Whiteside, and him and Whiteside were talking to each other when they were running back on down the court. And then he had a sick lefty hook finish. Oh, and I was that, just oh like, yeah. He just cooked him with the footwork, and I was just like, <laughs> whoa. Um, the next one is Drew Holiday had a really, really nice baseline jumper from basically behind the behind backboard. Behind the backboard. And he just straight up drained it, and you're just like, Drew Holiday. And this is kind of what got me to think to say this is, do the Bucks have three closers? Shit. I mean, they give the ball to Giannis enough. Heat game? Yeah, I mean. Oh, damn. I mean, Giannis is starting to hit those little turn fades now, right? Post fades. What was um, it last week, too? It was last week. Um, yeah, Drew Holiday was going nuts last week. Was it? I want to find out which game it was. Ja, it was Drew, the, he came alive in the, the fourth quarter of the, uh, the Suns. Bulls. No, it was the Suns game. Oh, yeah, you The Suns right. game. It was Drew and Chris Middleton, 33 of the, fourth, yeah, yeah. Of the 41 fourth quarter points. 80% of the fourth quarter points in the Suns game. Yeah, they were going crazy. That was yeah, because Giannis hey, was in foul trouble. You might, you might be onto something there. Well, I mean, we know Chris Middleton's a closer. Everybody yep. in the nation saw that. Drew Holiday's yep. just been cooking. He's getting more confidence. He's shooting a career-high threes. I mean, the guy's making more jumpers, and we already know that he can finish in the paint with either hand. Yeah. And then you got Giannis, who if he doesn't finish or dunk on you, he's going to get the foul call. So you're basically screwed either way. Or just the, tap it in. Yeah. I mean, the just Bucks might have three closers. Just tap it in. And then before oh, Bobby so you're Portis. you ignore my Adam Sandler comment, but I had to sit through yours. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I was thinking about this process here. Fine. All right, whatever. You can do your Billy Madison reference. I won't talk about Happy Gilmore anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Um, before Bobby Portis decided to have two stinkers, yeah. I was going to ask you, if you think Bobby Portis is the, the second best shooter on the team. Because, in my opinion, I still think Chris in the game is the best shooter that we have. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, it's, it's tough. When, I mean, Drew's shooting crazy. When Pat is right, he can make a lot yeah, of Yeah, I might go with Pat. It's either Pat or Bobby. It's Pat or Bobby, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, the Bucks are just they, – they didn't have to deal with any injuries this year, but they're just without their center for the whole season. And yeah. Our second-best shooter's out, you know, for the last month and a half. And Chris and Drew have dealt with injuries all year. and Kind of revolving yeah. door at backup point guard. Yeah, Bucks haven't had to deal with no injuries, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this Bucks jazz game, we did get Brooke Lopez back. Um mm-hmm. When it comes to Bobby Portis, I do think he's going to go back to the bench eventually. Um, Brooke Lopez yeah. will be the starting center by the playoffs if he's not before that. Um, they're just going to, he's going to be on like a minutes restriction. I think he played, what, 14 minutes in the Jazz game. But, um, you know, one thing that, that I really want to see corrected from this game. So, you know, we talk a lot about plays and individual plays. I want to talk about a scheme thing here. And sure. it's about the Bucks being one of the worst in the NBA at defending the pick and roll. 
and every single Bucks defender needs to work on fighting over the screens and and getting through screens. Um, the NBA players, the NBA is so gifted offensively. They know when you're cheating screens. They know when you're going to go under screens. Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, they know when you're going under screens. And what yeah. you're doing is you're giving a wide-open three when you do that. Yeah. So, Javon Carter is – I'm going to – I mentioned a spoiler alert already. I'm going to talk about him more in a minute. He's given everything he's got on defense. Getting over and through screens. Um, having Brooke Lopez back, it does improve the just the defensive IQ of the whole team and the communication. They talked mm-hmm. about that during the broadcast, actually. Um, the communication that Brooke Lopez gives them from the middle. like he's He is the defensive anchor. That's what Brooke Lopez is. Um, guys funnel their guys towards Brooke Lopez. And, you know, you just got to chase, you got to chase guys around those screens. You got to make it harder for them to catch in rhythm. That's what the Miami Heat do. They get around screens. They get catches in rhythm. That's how you get good looks from the three-point line. So the Bucks, they got to be better at defending the pick and roll. Just got to be better at defending screens in general. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. So I wanted to make a big note of that before we got into the rest of the, the Bucks and the Jazz game. Um, so basically, uh, you look at the totals for this game, and Utah hit 10 threes in the first quarter. And I remember me and you texting, and you're like, imagine hitting 10 threes and being up two points. I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. It's a really, really good point. The Bucks yeah. were just kind of hanging around. Um, and then, you know, like I thought, it, it, it just ended up being one of those hump games where it was like, get over the hump. I mean, the Jazz ended up taking the lead back in the fourth quarter, kind of a little bit back and forth there in the fourth quarter. But the Bucks are they're a winning franchise. They understand how to win. And my girlfriend's finally bringing me a water. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they got a winning franchise. They got winning players. They're champions for a reason. And they ended up closing out that game. And Giannis hit two free throws at the end, which gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah, dude, Brad, we were texting about the third quarter, and we were talking about it today before the show. It's just like – I don't understand. Got, I don't, yeah, and they got scored thirty-four to twenty-one in the third quarter, and they were still only down by four points. But I just don't understand the the third quarter problems, man. What is it, man? I don't know. Maybe so, maybe, um, maybe something will change if Brooke is the starter and kind of changing a little bit of the processes in the early part of the quarter. Maybe he hits some threes. Maybe he gets some rebounds. Maybe his communication is the key in that third quarter coming out of the locker room. I don't know. But those are things that will be answered within the next three weeks. And hopefully it doesn't become an Achilles heel for us in the playoffs. Because I don't want to have the same feeling I had about the Packers where I'm like, I know we suck on special teams, but we just got to overcome it for a couple games. You know what I mean? I don't want to have that feeling. Yeah. So looking up, you asked me to pull the fundamental failures for the other team. Um, Utah missed four free throws, same as the Bucs. Mm-hmm. They only gave up – the Bucks only had six second-chance points in this game. Um, oh, my God. Utah is one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. Like, the yep. Bucks are up there, but Utah is is up there. Um, and the Bucks only scored 17 points off turnovers. So, that totals up to 27. So, mm-hmm. the fundamental failures are still plus 14 for Utah. Yeah. So, that just – hey, credit to the Bucks. I mean, they really overcame this in the fourth quarter, but – the way this game was started was crazy. Both yeah. teams were hot out of the gate like crazy. 
Um, I want to give Wesley Matthews some credit. He came in on the second unit and he gave three consecutive really tough defensive possessions on Donovan Mitchell, forced him into three consecutive misses. Um, Chris Middleton, uh, I mentioned his getting to the basket, scoring at all three levels being something he's improving on. He's he's getting that that jab step. So he catches, you know, he obviously faces up that jab and then drive. That's that's becoming a really reliable move for him, especially when Giannis is on the floor and guys can't double team Chris Middleton. Mm. You give Chris Middleton a one-on-one, I really feel confident he's going to score every time. Because he can he can face up, he can do that that jab and drive on a smaller mm. defender or a slower defender. And if not, he can. He does a lot of back to the basket, and he can hit fadeaways. Like I feel confident that Middleton's going to hit fadeaways when he shoots them. Um, and then, like you mentioned, ten threes in the first quarter, and you have a two point lead. That's got to yeah. suck. Um, Middleton hiding the ball on his hip as well. That's, you know, that's just the 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 shot pocket. That's what that is. You teach that elementary school basketball the shot pocket. Um, so you can, you can be ready to pass dribble or shoot. So that's, that's a fundamental thing right there for Chris Middleton. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but his fundamentals and his footwork phenomenal. Then he's got a, he's got a good shot. Like his shot is just itself. So literally the way that he shoots the ball, um, is, is, it just looks good. Um, The Bucks ran a a lineup that from the second quarter went on an eleven to two run. This lineup was Javon Carter, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. That is an awesome two way lineup. The way that Javon Carter has been shooting on his three point shots, which I'm gonna I'm gonna save for my later discussion here. In addition to the big three and Brooke Lopez, like. Do you think Javon Carter has taken George Hill's job as the backup point guard? I said it last week, man. He looks he looks comfortable. He's shooting the ball well. He's not turning it over. He's playing tough, hard-nosed defense. I don't know what else you ask from a backup point guard, honestly. He's playing within the offense. He's not taking dumb shots. Like, he had a play against the Jazz where the shot clock was running down. He was in the right corner, and he ended up catching the ball, pump faking, chicken and dribble, and he threw it down the Drew Holiday – a perfect little post-up post-fade to take the lead back, 96-95, I believe it was. But, yeah, I that was I mean, just playing within the offense, and he's just playing great, man, honestly. He looks like he belongs on this team. My argument would be that Javon Carter has had a bigger impact on the Bucks than Goran Dragic has had on the Nets. Oh, easily, 100%. Like, thank you, Brooklyn. We'll take Javon <laughs> That's Carter. That's the point. Thank you, Brooklyn. That's the point. I, man, if we play in the playoffs and Javon Carter, like, locks him up and then hits a three, oh, I'm going to go fucking nuts, dude. I'm going to go bananas <laughs> in this house. Man. So, something that impressed me with Javon Carter, this was in the fourth quarter, the, the Jazz got a defensive rebound, right? We talked about the pace of this game being higher. Javon mm-hmm. Carter, after a defensive rebound, defended – I think it was Donovan Mitchell for 94 feet off of a rebound. Yeah. They the Jazz had 16 seconds on the shot clock when they got across half court and started their offense. Just disrupting that pace is just those little things, man. And yeah, and the You have to yeah. call a different play now because you only have yep. 16 seconds. You got to rush throwing off the rhythm. That's like what I mentioned mm-hmm. with the screens. If you throw off rhythm, 
that messes with teams. It makes it harder for guys to succeed. Like, like if you let a guy just stand wide open and shoot a hundred three pointers, like when they're in a, a practice, they're going to make like 80 of them. Yeah. Man, you watch guys, practice, yeah, guys <laughs> shooting around before games. Like they make every shot they shoot while they're open. So during games, what well, you got to do is you got to throw guys off. Not Tristan Thompson, but well, he doesn't, I don't know if he makes any shots outside the restricted circle, but bro, he, he was like on the restricted circle and missed like eight in a row. I'm like, Oh hell no. <laughs> um, I was proud of the bucks to see them hanging around a good offensive team with Giannis and Middleton on the bench. That's, that's an impressive thing. That's not really going to happen in the playoffs ever. Like those two aren't going to be off the floor at the same time ever, but it's, it's good to see them succeeding with b- the big three guys on the bench whether it's any combination of them. Um, end of this game, the Bucks moving the ball well, rebounding the, as a team. The Bucks started the fourth quarter. They started rebounding as a team, and they held Utah to 18 points in the fourth quarter. Wow, like, look how well that works. <laughs> oh, it's crazy, I know. Oh. <laughs> and then the Jazz, they ran out of threes. Um, yeah. Ran out of gas, they ran out of threes. And... If there's any part of Giannis's game that could even be remotely considered as underrated, it's his ability to change speeds. That's very true. Yeah, we know Giannis can go downhill and dunk and finger roll and Euro step. But when you're on Rudy Gobert and a guy who's a sound defensive player, Giannis changing speeds and getting from being all downhill and then stopping, taking two slow steps and hitting that jump hook. He did it twice to Rudy Gobert in the fourth quarter. Nasty. That jump hook to being able to go from like a full sprint to step, step, jump hook. That's that might be one of very few parts of Giannis's game that could be considered underrated. I agree with that. I like that. And you already mentioned it. The Bucks' <clears throat> first win in Utah since 2001. Um, Brooke Lopez is back. Connaughton should be back soon. Um, his injury was diagnosed as a four-week injury, and that was on Valentine's Day. So we are at that four-week mark. So Connaughton should be back soon. Um, he's not wearing the brace or the sling anymore. Um, mm-hmm. George Hill is back, but Giannis thirty and fifteen. Drew Holiday twenty-nine, seven assists, and Jake mentioned the five steals. Chris Middleton twenty-three points. Um, let's before we get into the power pair. So this is just some some general Bucks stuff. Um, two. There's two all-time points chases to watch. Mm-hmm. So the first one and the big one. This is when I believe that Giannis is going to become the greatest Buck of all time. Is when he passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for points in Bucks history. He is 170 points behind. So he needs 170 points. Um, he's averaging call it 30 a game. It's going to be about six games. I really hope that he breaks in in Philadelphia to finally push Joel Embiid out of being potentially ahead of him in the MVP race. Um, and then the other one is Chris Middleton only needs 177 points to pass Marcus Johnson for number seven on the Bucks all-time scoring list. So we got two, two to watch here. Um, oh, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep, Brad, you're right. He wasn't on our list, but... Um, Von Miller is going to the Bills. Good spot for him. Yeah. All right. So those were the two things that I wanted to point out before we did our power pair. That being said, let's do our power pair. I'm interested to see 
who Jake's second one is because I went I went a little outside the box on my second one. But who are your power pair too? I know you did, so that's why I went basic because I didn't want us to run into each other again this week. Um, I went I went Chris and Giannis this week for my okay. power pair. Um, Giannis is Giannis. He averaged thir- 34, 11, and four assists. That's pretty damn good. Um, um, 50%, 57% shooting. Yeah, he's going to be on everybody's power pair this week. Yeah. And then I thought Chris Middleton was, you know, everybody talks about consistency for Middleton. I think having a week uh, or three games where you average almost 25 points, four rebounds, and six assists, pretty damn good in my opinion. I did not put Holiday on there just strictly because he didn't score that well. He wasn't efficient. He wasn't that efficient on offense in my opinion. I mean, he had a 5 for 11 day and then a 5 for 17 day. And I know Chris had the 6 for 19, but he was still dishing out assists. Like he had an 8 assist game the same day that Tyler and I were just like some guy was like, "He's not that good of a passer." I'm like, "Dude, he just had 8 assists today." <laughs> like, do you just want to raise your hand and say, "Hey, I'm stupid?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, Brad, you have my other one. I am going to give Javon Carter some love, uh, in my power pair. And I have, I have some reasoning here. Um, he's not going to light up the scoreboard. However, he is lighting up his three point percentage. (laughs) Javon Carter, since joining the bucks, shooting 58.3% on threes. I do not expect that to continue, but that is amazing. That is insane. Wow. In addition to how good of defense he's playing. Yeah, that's and really why we brought him in. He's only 26. I know. So, like, he might end up playing himself into a contract at the end of the season. Hey, man. And, you know, we can let George Hill go. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's worth, it's worth considering, in my opinion. Oh. Uh, so his defense is three-point shooting, making an impact. This was just during the Jazz game, so this is a very specific example. But the defensive rating of the Bucks with Javon Carter on the floor versus when he's off the floor. Mm-hmm. When he's on, 104.2. That's oh the Bucks' God. defensive rating. It's The lower, the better. Defensive rating when he was off the floor, 117.6. Ugh. So a 13-point difference in defensive rating when Javon Carter is off the floor. Wow. And, and Brad brought up the, the point that I said, too. The, if Giannis is impressed with, with what you're doing, that's that speaks a volume. Yeah. Um, Giannis talked about that, his defending 94 feet, about that taking teams deeper into the shot clock when they're just coming across half court. Um, that's that's a big deal, and it, and it affects the game. Um. So I'm I'm very pleased with the Javon Carter edition. Um, tonight the Bucks play Sacramento. Saturday night they play Minnesota, which is not a, a team to take lightly anymore. They're a playoff team this year. Um, they got a nice core over there. Carl Anthony Towns is going crazy. I'd love to see yeah. him in a Bucks uniform someday, but we'll see. Yeah, he's going to get paid. Yeah, he's about um, to get super max, baby. He's, he's, about yeah. make, he's about to make an All NBA team this year, I think. Yep. Um, and then Tuesday, we got another Bulls matchup, so we can smack them again because that's fun to do. It's always Hell fun yeah, to do Chicago is. teams. Hell yeah. All right. You got anything else you want to say about the Bucks? No. Let's get this Badgers shit over with. Still All right. About it. You want to do this one fast, too, like we did the Warriors game and just 
rip yeah. the Band-Aid off. So, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Brad, I don't know if I agree with you about the Kings being a different team. I think the Kings are still a basement team. They got a I couple. Mean, they got a couple pieces, but they're a little better. But they're still the Kings at the end of the day. That's how I feel. Be a good game to watch. I'm excited. Um, I actually I like the West West Coast games when I have off because then I just get to stay up like super late and it feels weird staying up to like midnight. But I, I get to watch Giannis dunk on people, so it'll be fun. Um, Bucks and Michigan State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Badgers. Oh yeah, Badgers. Sorry. Yeah. I just pulled. Yeah. Oh my God. So Johnny Davis. This is just my personal opinion. I said the same thing to my dad. Um, I feel like Johnny Davis came into this game after receiving Big Ten Player of the Year, and it's the first Big Ten game where he's a starter. And I feel like he went into this game trying to prove why he was the Big Ten Player of the Year instead of continuing to play good basketball like he was all year, which got him the Big Ten Player and of the Year. And in addition to that, I don't think he was 100%. No, I don't think I think so. he was probably about 80 I do think he should have been playing. He did not. I mean, he looked a little rusty early when he dropped that one lob and stuff like that. But, I mean, I didn't want him to have, you know, 16 days off and then we go into an NCAA tournament game against right. a not familiar opponent. And we're just like, oh, Jesus. Um, I agree. Was, I think he should have been playing. He should have just he was, been playing within himself a little more. Yeah, we could have used him as a decoy. There was a lot of things that could have happened differently in this right. game, in my opinion. But he ended 3 of 19, 0 of 5 from 3. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, Brad Davison, he carried us for a long while. He ended up having 23 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. But no help really elsewhere. I mean, Chucky had 11, Wall had 8, and Crowell had 9. And he had another big 3-pointer in this game. And I remember me, you, texting with Mikey. And we're just like, there's another Crowell big 3-pointer. I thought this was going to end up being one of those ugly games that the Badgers end up scraping out, but it's obviously not how it worked. Um, I I did not like the officiating towards the end of this game. I hate yeah. complaining about officiating because you you know there's things that the Badgers should have done better to win this game, but when it happens, it sucks, and it happens when you lose, it sucks more. Yeah. The the three step travel on the leak out and the dunk that they got like that. <sighs> And then I don't remember who number eleven was for Michigan State, but he put his forearm into Davison's groin, fully extended his arm, and did not get an offensive foul call. And Michigan State hit a three on that possession. And I feel like Davis was getting freaking mauled every time he went into the paint. But it is what it is, man. And you then the Badgers. That. It was oh god, it, it sucked too because it's the the Badgers are down sixty to fifty eight. And Michigan State's running a ton of pick and roll. Point guard mm-hmm. runs a pick and roll. Gets to the elbow. Wide open elbow jumper. Davison didn't even jump and put an arm up. Just let him shoot it straight down. That, I mean, that's something that Davison never does. Like, he's he's always 100% effort. Mm-hmm. And, I, and seeing a play where he didn't do that, it, it frustrated me. Um, yeah. And then he gets the end one, and he misses the free throw. Missed free throws, like free throws. I'm, like you said it before the show, we're tired of talking about missed free throws. I really am, dude. I'm and a just... team that's built on fundamentals, missing free throws. Uh, Chucky Hepburn scored nine points late in this game, trying to be the hero to bring the game back. 
it's annoying. It, it's it's frustrating. I shouldn't say annoying. It's frustrating. Um, Badgers were twelve I'm, of twenty one on free throws, dude. And they <sighs> lost this game by six, and they missed nine free throws. It's it's frustrating. It's what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna pull up the I'm gonna pull up the fundamental failures from this points, even though I know it's gonna hurt. Yeah, um, it's gonna hurt when I pull it up. Oh yeah, it's it's just sad. Michigan State's a good team. Um, obviously, yeah. I was the only one that mentioned them when you know I posed the question: What's the team that you're most worried about winning the Big Ten title? Um, I said Michigan State because Michigan State still got the best coach in the conference, in my opinion. Izzo still the best coach. Yep. Um, yep. So kind of switching to the NCAA tournament a little bit here, just for a second. We could have an Izzo versus Coach K matchup in their region, and that would be absolutely legendary. Um, that would be sick. I would love to watch that game. I mean, Coach K's last year, Izzo versus Coach K in NCAA tournament. It's pretty. Close I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying seeing Duke losing all of Coach K's last games. I feel bad for Coach K because I feel like he doesn't deserve it. I but... feel bad for Coach K. I do not feel a second bad for all the random Duke fans that there are. Yeah, I agree with that. 100% agree with that. 100%. Like, I... like I know a bunch of people that we've like grown up with and people that I've known for a long time that are from Wisconsin yeah. that are Duke fans. It's like, Why? People get mad at people that are Badger fans and Marquette fans. Why the hell are there so many Duke fans just randomly littered around? Because they get a bunch of five-star recruits. They're always on national television. Pretty much. It's weird. I don't like it. Um, looked it up for a game that scored about half of what an NBA. Yeah, well, of course Simon's a Duke fan. Whatever. You should be a no, Texas you are. fan. I think, he, I think he's trolling. I think he's trolling. I don't. Simon's a Duke fan from now on. You and Cody's, you and Cody's pocket are Duke fans. <laughs> oh, anyway, that was funny the other day. Um, twenty-three fundamental failure points for the Badgers in a game that's finished sixty-nine to sixty-three. When NBA games finish in the one hundreds, hundred tens, hundred twenties. Um, I knew it. He's probably he's probably a Gonzaga fan. No, that that is actually Cody. He is a Gonzaga fan. Um, I'm just kidding. Anyways, 23 fundamental failure points in a game he lost by six for a team that's prided on their fundamentals. Yeah. It's frustrating is what it is. It is. All right. Do you want to say anything about Badgers of Michigan State or should we talk about the tournament? No, I don't want to talk about this stupid-ass game anymore. It pissed me off. Remember All right. Friday. Let's talk about the tournament real quick before we talk about Badgers and Colgate. If you want to join... Our tournament challenge, you're going to do it by tomorrow morning. We're not going to count the play-in games, but do it by Thursday morning. If you want to get in the tournament challenge, there's a link on the Wisco Fanatics page that you can go to and fill a bracket out on CBS, or you can just send us a picture of your bracket. If you know Jake and I, you can send it to one of us, or you can just send it to the Wisco Fanatics page to send us a picture of your bracket that you have filled out at home, and you're in. That's it. It's free to enter. We're not charging anybody to, to join the contest with us. The winner gets a $25 gift card, gift certificate to Parker Johns, our sponsor. And the loser has to come on the show and take a pie in the face. So Jake and I will be keeping track this weekend. We will. But hey, the risk is worth the reward, especially when you don't have to pay to enter. Yeah, I'm going uh, to have my girlfriend do hers when I get upstairs here. 
And then I was actually considering making my stepson do it just in case he loses because I would love to tie that kid on camera. <laughs> but I don't know about that right now. But definitely, definitely get uh, my girlfriend Chantel in there. That will be funny. Simon, you should join, man, because you're a Duke fan. So you probably know a lot about uh, March yep. Madness. Big Duke fan. Number one Duke fan. He <laughs> loves Jabari jersey. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> Brad said with nine teams in the big dance from the Big Ten, they couldn't get a two seed. Brad if should seriously be in because he does know basketball. Not to cut you off, but Brad, you really should be in, man. You know your stuff about basketball. Come on in on this tournament. Hey, hey come win a gift certificate. Yeah. Um, if the – I bet you do have Duke winning it all, Simon. I bet you do. If you, you don't pick Duke it Duke. If you don't Duke pick it now, Duke. if you don't pick it now, I'm going to be really, really disappointed. That's all he's, I'm going to say. I, I guarantee you he's got Duke and North Carolina in the final, and he's got Duke winning 100-0. <laughs> Even though they, they beat their ass on Coach that's, K. Day. That's, Simon's, that's Simon's bracket. <laughs> Anyways. UNC if the Badgers beat the Mich- if the Badgers beat Michigan State, even if they don't win the Big Ten tournament, just beating Michigan State, I believe they would have gotten a two seed. Yeah, I agree with that. Once they lost to Michigan State, they had the back-to-back losses to end the, the season. I think that's what dropped them to a three. I agree. I think the back-to-back L's is what pushed them. If they would have if they would have won either one of those, like if they yep. would have won the Big Ten outright in the regular season, they would have been yep. a two-seed easy. Yep. I actually like yeah. that they're in the the uh, the bracket, the region with uh, Kansas. I think Kansas is the most beatable one seed, in my opinion. That's just I, what I, I think. I could agree with that. I could agree that's with that. That's what I think. Um, I mean, let's talk about exactly. Colgate. Yeah, yeah. Let's, talk, let's talk about Colgate. Um, so for me, I just wrote down a few tidbits, excuse me. Uh, Colgate is a kind of surprising team. Some of the stats that I looked up, um, well, first of all, they're winners of 19 of 20. So they're on fire right now. Uh, they're second in the nation in points per game at 85.2 points per game. They rank third in the nation in three point percentage, 40% from three. And I just wrote down a couple, you know, players to watch. Uh, first of all, they got Nelly Cummings. He's a starting point guard. He averages 15, 3, and 3. Uh, really good at controlling the pace of the game. And Tucker Richardson, he's a good player. Averages 13, 6, and 4. And then one other player I wanted to point out is a guy off the bench, their sixth man. His name is Oliver Lynch Daniels. He shoots 54% from 3. They have another guy on their team. Uh, he's a starting wing. He shoots 44% from 3. Damn, that 54% dude is going to be the Dex Duncan Robinson. For real, man. So uh, this team is just a bunch of ball move, a bunch of sharing, a bunch of three-pointers. And that's how low seeds upset uh, higher seeds is they just hit a bunch of crazy shots, and Colgate is that team. So Badgers are going Badgers are very, very sound defensively, so hopefully they don't allow a lot of easy looks. Don't turn the ball over, which they don't, to give easy – easy looks so it's just actually a very very interesting matchup in my opinion yeah and to to kind of i don't want to say that this is going to make it you know a biased opinion or anything but to give some confidence back to badger fans if you're worried about it seeing you know a media team saying you know colgate could upset upset wisconsin looking Mm -hmm. at colgate and wisconsin colgate they're a decent scoring team they have five guys that average 10 points or more they're not a decent defensive team. They give up almost as many as they score. So yeah. the Badgers 
hopefully they can get out of their funk and get out of their slumps against a team that is not a very strong defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, Colgate finished 23 and 11. Um, they finished 16 and two in the Patriot league. They were seven and nine outside of their conference and they did not play a ranked team the entire season. Yeah. Not a single ranked team, seven and nine out of their conference. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there it is. Brad just did the last thing that I wanted to mention. This game is at Pfizer Forum. So the Badgers are basically playing a home game here. Yeah, I agree. So there's going to be a lot of red in the stands for that game. Well, that's what they told us to wear that day is to wear red. So I sure hope so. So, you know, it's basically a home game for the Badgers. So they're just playing one big city over. Um, looking at what's next for the Badgers, the Badgers, if they win against Colgate, would play the winner of LSU and Iowa State. So this is a spoiler alert for those of you who haven't filled out your bracket yet. I picked Iowa State to win this game. Um, LSU is kind of reeling a little bit. They just fired their head coach for like recruitment stuff, um, like illegal recruitment stuff dating back to like 2018 or something like that. Um, so they're going to have a new head coach. And, yeah, I picked Iowa State in that game, actually. So that would probably make Curtis happy. But um, I don't know no, if you had anything you wanted Iowa to say State. about that. He hates no, he Iowa does. State. He's all Iowa? Yeah. All right. He's a, he's a Hawkeye. Well, um, maybe, hey, maybe Alan Lazard would be at that game. Maybe. Um, it's uh, In Iowa, Iowa State's kind of like the Marquette. So Curtis picked uh, Iowa okay. over Iowa State, where I pick was me and you pick Wisconsin over Marquette. Marquette yeah. actually plays UNC. He brought him up earlier. Yep. So. Yeah, they're yeah they're playing in Texas in in Simon's home state. Yeah, where he's a Duke fan. <laughs> I hate <laughs> both of those teams, so I was just like, I don't care who wins, but I picked I picked UNC. I picked North Carolina, just because North Carolina always has a bunch of long athletes. That's why I picked them. Um, yeah, it's just I I think the Badgers are going to win this game. I think. And I think it was, yeah, I texted you. Uh, ESPN is giving the Badgers a 36% chance to get to the Sweet 16. So that's that's pretty good odds. Uh, yeah, I'll take two that. games, and we'll see what happens, man. After that, you know, the bracket does get a little tougher. It's pretty tough. We got I think Auburn. Gonna, Auburn have, would be the one they'd have to face off with. They're another a player tough of the year. two seed, man. I mean, how they fell to a two is two is crazy because they were number one for a long time, number one ranked team for a long time. Mm, I picked Wisconsin to lose to Auburn. <sighs> I did. I oh, it was hard. It it hurt, but I didn't. I, felt I went it. completely homer. I'm not gonna lie, I went completely <laughs> homer. Didn't even care about it. If I take a pie, I take a pie. I'm experienced. Hey, if I if I take the loss for that and the Badgers advance, like I couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that'll work for me. So, um, yeah, I'm okay with it if my bracket's wrong and the Badgers win. Agreed. All right. You got anything else? No, sir. All right. So, again, we did the NFL salary cap at the beginning of the show. We really broke it down why, why stuff is happening the way that it is. Um, and next week we are doing a Milwaukee Brewers primer. So next week we're going to have a lot of baseball talk. And then after that, it's going to, it's going to be NFL draft season. After we get baseball previewed and we get, we get to opening day, which is April 7th. So that spring training starts on Friday. So we're going to start on Wednesday with, with our Brewers primer. Um, We'll have the new acquisitions, the guys that left, 
um, the departures. And uh, we'll probably make some bold predictions. We'll make a record prediction. And, um, yeah, we'll see what else the Brewers can do in free agency between now and then, if they're going to be active or not. But we'll talk about it on Wednesday. So we will be back next Wednesday with more Wisconsin sports discussion. Let's do it, baby. Hey, Bucks and Six. Let's watch the Bucks tonight. Yes, sir. All All right. right. See you next week. Talk to you later, my man. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.